Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Conferred Culture, brought to you by Timothy Theories, the podcast where we talk about the topics that many of us are passionate about. I'm your host, Chris Murphy, and this week I'm joined by Tim Take That Keefler. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And this week we're going to be uh, going off the board a little bit ha, 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 with our topics. Uh, this week we're going to be talking talking about the top 10 essential board games that basically anybody should start off their collection with, at least in our opinion anyway. Um, yeah. I do have an entry in here that's probably not going to be for everyone, but uh, I'm putting it in there and I will get to the reasons why. But uh my list, uh, which I made about 10 minutes before we started recording because I was horribly unprepared. Um, for shame. Will be, for <laughs> shame. I know, right? I'm going to start with like a low complexity and kind of work my way up, except for sort of number one, which has its own kind of reasons why it's there. But I'll get to that when I get there. Um, by complexity, for perhaps people new to the hobby or not familiar with board games, uh, just like how complex like how complicated the game essentially is to learn how to play really and mm -hmm. uh how long it takes and you know there's a few things that go into the complexity uh weight for people and yeah so um by low complexity i mean it's easy to learn easy to play uh probably won't take you a long time to play the whole game should i say what mine is oh, okay sure <laughs> what's your what's your what's your definition i guess so uh it's funny because look every time we talk about board games i think it, this actually the reason why i wanted to talk about this with you is i think this is actually super indicative of the way that we collect as well as play too because okay. um i tried as best as possible to pick a range of games um that kind of represent the gamut of modern board gaming as well as peppered in with complexity like lower lower barrier of entry in terms of complexity and um also keeping the themes or the um things that are represented in it fairly light because you never know what kinds of things people are interested in so mm -hmm. those are kind of my my factors fair enough okay so uh yeah i i guess we can just kind of dive right into it uh did you want to go for i'm gonna be nice this this week and give you a choice did you want to go first Ooh, do i want to go first or do i want to go second i think i want to go first i think i figured as much yeah i was yeah. i was like do i want to go first yeah i do i want to go first I enjoy, okay so with, uh, like I said, I, I, I try to pick a spectrum of games, but I didn't necessarily rank these in terms of like, this is the first game and therefore it is the worst of the 10. It's more like if I was going to recommend something for people to start out with, I would, I would start here because I think it's fairly light and fairly okay. easy. And also sometimes um, it's hard to play games with people. Uh, so my pick for number one is Jaipur. And the reason why I selected this one is because in terms of the mechanism, number 10, in, you mean, right? Or I guess number 10. Yeah. Sorry. It's number, number one in yeah. terms of like my, my entry, but, uh, number 10, you're right. So number 10 is Jaipur. Yeah. And the reason why I selected Jaipur is like I said, it, uh, introduces some really simple mechanics in terms of what you can do in the game. It's got, uh, card drafting, hand management, uh, a market that you can 
you know, get resources from and a simple score scoring mechanism to it. And then there's set collection. So these are all really basic things that people should be familiar with. If they've ever played any classic games or uh, played cards of any sort, you collect different kinds of resources. So you'll be collecting uh, precious gemstones and camels and, uh, as you work through the, the set of cards, uh, your goal is to be scoring more than the, the person you're playing against. And it usually wraps in like, what, 10, 15 minutes, Chris? I don't think it's a very long game by any stretch of the imagination. Per round. I, yeah, like, per, you, yeah, I think uh, you can play multiple rounds. Like, I think it's There's like max of three. three. I think each round probably takes about that. Yeah, so yeah, I'd I think say each I, round probably takes about 10, 15. So, like, I, a total of half hour to 45, depending on. And like if you're if you've played it lots, it's even faster, right? So it's it's Mm -hmm. a fairly easy game to learn. It's fairly fun, light. Uh, I enjoy the theme because it's uh, you know it's your merchants and your trading resources, and um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like in a bazaar. And like there is a new edition of it too with uh, updated art and stuff that they just re-released, and uh, it's a good two-player game. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's nice and quick, and it's good. I would say it's like a good a date night game that you know you can play it with somebody who say maybe isn't into uh super into board games but that uh you know just kind of likes playing a nice little kind of breezy fun game um yeah i i like it a lot too i'm right there with you in fact i do spoiler i do have it on my list at some point (laughs) It's one of our it first is. crossovers, maybe? It'll be one of our first crossovers for sure. So Okay, well, there you go. So yeah. uh, so Jaipur is, uh, is my number 10. I, I think if you want to play a light two-player game with some simple ideas, like Chris said, it's an excellent way to introduce people to the hobby. Yeah, even if it's not someone who wants to get into the hobby, but you know wants to do something with you or vice versa, if you want to get into it, it's it's not a scary game by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. Awesome. Okay. My number 10 is a game. It was one of the first games I think I bought and I sort of gifted it to my daughter later on. She actually still has it. We play it from time to time. And uh, that's called King of Tokyo. Oh, It's basically just glorified Yahtzee. For people who like Yahtzee, Mm-hmm. it's uh just essentially glorified yahtzee it's like it's got a few extra rules but if you've ever played yahtzee uh you basically know how it works and it's just you're these giant monsters and you're you're in tokyo and one of the monsters trying to hold the city and everybody else is trying to attack them and so you're either trying to get uh 20 victory points or kill everybody else and it's like just a blast because you're just chucking these big these big chunky dice and then you have to count your symbols and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. you can you can also like upgrade your monster and get different powers and yep. and uh, all this like these, these cool like little neat ideas and and the board is small and you can it's a it's also like kind of a cool little party game that you could do with like I think it goes up to seven players like it's like a five yeah you can play with like a, a few different you know groups of people like you can play with yeah. like two people or three or, or like you said up to five or six and what's what's Something really like that, neat yeah. about it is um is that not only is it like basically yahtzee but like reskinned it's got it's does such a good job of creating a combat between the two monsters that enter into the middle of mm-hmm. tokyo and so you're like you're duking it out uh trying to 
uh, be like, like you said, trying to be like the winner. So we, whether you get the most points or you kill the other players, and that's what I, that's what I personally like about this game is that you can win a couple different ways. And sometimes yeah. the person who wins is it's almost like they've like lucked into it, which is very, you know, consistent with Yahtzee, right? Like it's a, it's a dice rolling game. There's mm-hmm. huge luck element to it. Uh, but oh, it's yeah. mitigated by the fact that sometimes yeah, people. Uh, yeah. What I like about this too, is I, I, I have, and I have often played it with my kids. Like I said, I, I regifted to my daughter who's nine, but I've played it with my five-year-old son too, who just like, you know, uh, my five-year-old son, who of course likes just rolling these big chunky dice and and then attacking people, <laughs> so like he 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 finds that fun too. I haven't played it in a, in, in a while, but uh, yeah, I picked up a nice cheap copy actually uh, secondhand from uh, um, a guy that we both know, Justin. Uh, he had oh, yeah. an extra copy kicking around, and he gave me a pretty good price on it. I think I only got it for like I don't know thirty bucks or something because it was it was uh, well loved. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, we we played the heck out of it, and um, we I always still had a good time. It. Yeah, and I've introduced it to non gamers, and they have uh, jumped right into it pretty much without too much effort. And I just basically say, if you played Yahtzee before, yes, okay, then this will be no problem for you. Just a couple of extra rules, and then that's it. Yeah. So yeah, I like that it, a lot. It introduces player elimination in a really fun way. It doesn't feel as uh, mean. Yeah, you, it, you know what you're getting into, right? Exactly. Also, the games are are short, are, are fairly short. Like maybe like again, maybe like half hour, or forty minutes, or something like that. So it's not like a three hour game of player elimination. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's good that way. So yeah, no, I I would highly recommend this to anybody. You know, just starting out. It's a nice little. It's easy. It's fun. Breezy game. Get into it. It's fun. Play with your kids. You know. And it's uh, you, it's easy to find, and it's mm-hmm. not very expensive. So yeah, it's my yeah. number ten. That's a excellent choice, Chris. I would. Thanks. I didn't actually think of it on my list. Um, I should have, but that's okay. That's fine. We we don't have to have very much overlap. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> so my number nine is something that I think. Um, whether or not it's on your list or not, I think you'll agree with me. It's a it's a good choice because it's it's fairly popular and it's uh, lots of people have played it and it's very low barrier again to play this. It's, and it's uh, Azul, um, and there's a couple of versions of it now. There's uh, the basic game. It's funny. I was actually at Chapters around Christmas time, and I know mm-hmm. that I'm way into this hobby now because I'll I'll help uh, random people out with game stuff, <laughs> even <laughs> if too, I don't actually. know them. Uh, this guy, this yep. guy was, he was looking for this, for this game, Azul for his, uh, his, I guess his daughter or someone was asking for it. And he, he wasn't sure what it was called. And he, he, he referred to three different versions. I'm like, you want the, you want the basic one. You just want Azul. Um, but he was talking about yeah. Summer Pavilion and Stained Glass of Sintra. And I was like, no, no, you could get those two. Glass of Sintra. Neither uh, of which I've played. Yeah. I actually don't like Sintra as much. We own it, but, um. It's one of those ones that I'm not as fond of. I prefer the original. I'd like to try the summer. Yeah, I I am not huge into this game. It's a little bit too abstract for me. And again, for those people who don't know what that means, it's just that, you know, all board games are abstracted in a way like this uh, piece of wood represents uh, 
uh, a brick of clay or something like that. It's all, you know, you're pretending, but like that is just a little bit too much. I felt mm -hmm. that like I couldn't get into the theme as much. And mm -hmm. uh, I played with my daughter a couple times and she didn't really care for it either. Mm -hmm. So that's like just for me personally, like I don't, but I could see why I 100% see why it's on your list. Yep. It isn't on mine. I have the alternative to, to this later on. And I'll I get figured into you did. So that's why yeah. I was okay yeah. to, to talk yep. about no, this. It's one all good. Confidently. I get why Pete, lots of people love this, but for me, I just, um, I just didn't, it just didn't do anything for me personally. And same yeah, thing with so, my kid. Like if Sarah really liked it, it'd be another thing, but she didn't, she was like, yeah, it's all right. And yeah, I'm that's like, okay. fair. Well, so what's, 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 what's good about this game. So now that Chris has, has given his, uh, yeah, my two his, cents on it. Yeah. His two cents on it. Um, what's good about this game is it's because it's abstract. Uh, it's fairly easy to explain what you have to do in the game. And I think for people who don't want a lot of theme in a game, but they want to learn how to mm -hmm. play a game and they want something that's easy to play and easy to remember and you can play lots of it. Um, this is exactly that you're, you're placing tiles on a grid, trying to build patterns, score the most points. There's uh, a, a certain amount of um, uh, progressive scoring that happens based on what kinds of decisions you make in the game and um and it does have a theme to it you are building a, a a tile but it's it's not like it doesn't hit you over the head with the theme so i think that's where you're going with that with no. you say like it's not it's no. a little bit abstract but yeah. i i yeah. it's funny you mentioned that because i initially was not a huge fan of it either but having played it like i want to say like 40 <laughs> times now um it's very it's a very comfortable game to play and it's very easy to teach. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, there's a reason why it's super popular too. Like lots yep. of people, oh, yeah, lo for sure. lots of people like um, it because it's easy. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's another good uh, date night game as well. Mm -hmm. Like, cause it's, you're building patterns. I mean, it's competitive to an extent, but it's not super competitive. So, you know, probably not going to see like a you're not going to see any monopoly table flipping in, <laughs> in this game it's like yeah like i found it nice and relaxing too and i didn't really like feel like i was all that you yeah. know it's like it is a little bit because somebody takes the pete like the, the the pattern piece you want but other than that it's kind of it's pretty breezy and so like mm -hmm. yeah i would i would recommend it for that too but i don't yeah. know just like um it's one of those things like i like chess just fine too but even like I'm not super in love with that game either. Cause it's too abstract. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. especially when there's like so many thematic things, but I'm sure when I get to the alternative later, um, I know people push back against that. Yeah. And like, like theme in so, that too. So, so using abstract games is, is another thing too, right? Is there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really, really good abstract games and there's some that are okay. I think, everyone should try an abstract game at least once in their life. Even oh, yeah. if, even if you don't love it, the idea. Um, and this is a, a easy way to, to digest that. So that's yep. my number nine. Nice. Okay. My number nine, and this is a game that I played with Tim. It was one of the first games we ever played. And um, it is a fun, uh, I'm going to sort of call it a party game. It's a hidden role game. I hidden roles like everybody gets, uh, you know, their own um, 
your own unique role with unique powers that nobody else knows about. And in this game, you got to try to guess who's who, and that is Koo. I have always, to, to this day, I still have a blast playing Koo. Like, mm-hmm, me too. It's it's like a super easy game. They even I think we played a six player game not too like uh I think it was last year, but you know pre COVID, just as a filler, and I think it took us maybe like twenty minutes. Like mm-hmm. it's super fast. You can get multiple games in in like and in under an hour. Uh, it's fun. Basically, you get two roll cards, and they all all the roll cards have specific powers. And um, some cards can block other cards from doing things. and But everybody can't have the same card. Um, and for example, like every there, there's this one card called the Duke where you can take three coins from the middle. Everybody claims to be the Duke, but there's only two of them in the deck. So you got to yeah. try and figure out who's lying and call Tons them on it. Yeah, who's, who's bluffing? And, and call them on it. Uh, how well can you read people? Um, like and then you can start doing as well. Like once cards start getting revealed, you can kind of start doing logic, like uh, mm-hmm. like sort of logical thinking in your head of like what the chances this person has this card. And yeah, it's just like you can play like uh, say I have the assassin and I'm going to take out one of your cards. And then they're like, do they? You can have the choice then to bluff with this other card called the Contessa or say, I don't think you have the assassin. And then there's like consequences based on that. And then you have people ganging up on other people and then people betraying people over the place. It's, it's good fun. It's a really good fun party game. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, even though I prefer heavy games, like uh, right now, like that's where I'm at as a gamer. I've never not had fun with coup. And, and what's, what's good about it too, is it. It kind of it, it brings out that that take that element without forcing you to again it, without forcing you to feel like you're being a real jerk. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, like not mean. It's built into the theme. It's built into the game. Yep. So for someone who may not be comfortable with that kind of style, at the very least, they're not going to feel super offended that you did that. Whereas with there's others, there can be other kinds of games where you can have take that elements where you're. When we say take that, I mean do something negative to another player. There's other games like that where it's not a requirement of the game. And when it happens, sometimes uh, it can be really upsetting to the person that it happens to. But in a game like this, it's it's part of the game. It's 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 normal. There's a rebellion. There's people yep. there's people who are part of the government and people who are part of the uh, the rebellious part of it, right? Underground so, kind of? Yeah, the underground, the resistance. Yeah. And, and I was going to add, it's part of that whole resistance uh, collection of games too right universe like yeah. yeah it's like a shared universe thing so there's other ones and there's like, other hidden role games that use that too yeah mm-hmm. there's the but, resistance uh, it, part Avalon. of the reason too i was gonna say like part of the reason too why it's you don't really take it personally is the games are so quick it's not yeah. like oh you know we were an hour into a game and like i was so close to winning and then you know you you betrayed me and, and attacked me and, and took me out night. <laughs> so you yeah like there's none of that because like like i said we play a six-player game like 20 minutes so yeah. it's like oh you betrayed me and then killed me so like you could keep going it's like oh you bastard but it's fun because like you know in like another 10 minutes you're going to be playing again so it's tough to take that personally i think yeah and there's uh, another version of this uh or an expansion for it i think it's called this rebellion yeah who uh, yep. rebellion yeah uh g54 or whatever and that one has factions so you can become uh one of two right. factions 
And then what happens is people will will change you allegiances can switch allegiances or change yes. your allegiance for you. And all of a sudden yes. you, you find that everyone has switched allegiances and you're the only one in the different party and then they eliminate you. And it's like they all what? go in all in on you, yeah. So Yep. Yeah, it adds a nice cool little element, but also doesn't uh um massively like increase the game length or complexity. So no. Yeah. But uh, it's super fun. And I, I'll probably get that expansion at some point, but I don't own it yep. yet. Yep. Yeah, this was an excellent yep, pick. Yep. Thanks, man. On a roll. Excellent pick. <laughs> <laughs> so All to right. speak. All right. So my number eight is uh, a train game. Uh, and if you don't know train oh, know. games in board yeah. games, you're going to you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That's a super popular game. But if you do know, you're going to say, of course, it's Ticket to Ride. Um, yep. and I will say this, there are a bajillion ticket to ride iterations. There's a bajillion oh, expansions. I have only ever played mm-hmm. like three or four of them. And I don't think you need to play all of them, but maybe if you really like the no. game, you'll get to that point. Uh, but I would highly yeah. recommend yeah. the original or ticket to ride Europe. I prefer ticket to ride Europe myself and it's a yeah. network building game. So essentially you're building rails to move your trains along and there's crossover because everyone's building rails at the same time and you're trying to get to different stations so that you can build a network and also get the most points, but you have to have certain colors of trains in order to build the network because it's a set collection game at Mm -hmm. the same time. Um, And, and there's a push your luck element to it because the cards that you're given at the beginning of the game dictate, the the map you're trying to build right so if you if you complete your exercise you'll get lots of points but if you fail it you get negative points and so i think that introduces a a good element of goal setting in gaming uh without forcing it again down your throat because there's only a few things you're doing in the in the course of the game Mm -hmm. so you kind of learn how the network happens and how how goal setting happens and the the competition is is there but it's not super in your face and and you can you can like I said take a risk mm-hmm. but maybe it doesn't pan out or maybe it does and you win. So ticket to ride super awesome for that and I don't know if you've played it a lot but uh, I don't think we've ever played it together but I I I, I think it's I don't think so either I played it I played it at a gaming cafe uh four years ago five years ago something mm-hmm. like that um I mean four. Um, I thought it was, you know, uh, it's, I thought it was like kind of just okay, but it's just not for me personally. I mm-hmm. playing it though. I could see why a lot of people really like it. Um, cause it's got, like you said, it's got all the stuff that you, that you talked about a lot of interesting mechanics that, uh, if it was in different games that might not work together and, um, it's, it's not. It doesn't overstay its welcome and it's um not inherently mean either like i mean you could cut people off and stuff but i didn't find it super mean either like it's just it rides that line i just um i'm not a super huge fan of like when it comes to when games start to get a little longer i like luck less and in this game if mm-hmm. you it's all like card draws for your tickets and stuff and so I found it that I had problems getting routes because I just had bad draws 
and it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But like, if you're just playing with people who aren't like, if you're new, uh, like absolutely. Like I, if I had played this when I first got into the hobby, I probably would have loved it. And the other thing too, is like, because there's so many versions of it, you can play different ones with different players. Yes. That, uh, that, add different elements to the game where you can have depots and you can have um, Mm. trains that go along the water or you can um, get bonuses at certain stations. So much like many of the really well-loved modern games like Carcassonne or Settlers, I guess technically it's just called Catan. uh, There's lots of different, (laughs) there's lots of different versions of it. So I think, like if you wanted to, Chris, you probably could find a version that would satisfy some of your complaints yeah, of the game. Probably. But but like at the same time, I heard Marklin was really good. Actually, I that's the, one Marklin. of the other ones I played. I really like it, but it's hard to find. So yeah, uh, yeah. If I had a choice, so. I would get that. I would ditch the original and just have Marklin in Europe. But uh, yeah, I needs to be seen. I yeah, I you know it was one. It's one of the like I like I don't dislike the game in fact if if like you want to play if like we had a gaming night and you're like let's play ticket to ride i'd be like all right like i wouldn't mm-hmm. i wouldn't be like no i don't want to play that you know what i mean i wouldn't fight against it it just it was just like yeah there's other stuff i'd rather want to play and and but like uh there's again there's a reason why there's so many versions of this and why it's so popular it's because it's yep. you know it's simple it's also competitive but a lot of things, it's got a, enough going on where you're doing a bunch of stuff where it's, it remains interesting, even if you're not doing very well. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it rides that line just in between like competitive <laughs> and to like, I'm going to like completely Sorry. cut you off at the knees, like really mean, nasty game. It's like right in the middle. It hits that sweet spot, I think. So it's good, that's a good choice. That line. Yeah, it rides Sorry. that line. Yeah. <laughs> See what yeah, I did no, there, right? You, I don't know if you did that purpose or not. But yeah. 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 Excellent choice on my part. I must I say, so. no, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, ticket to ride Europe. Yeah, or ticket to ride. Good. Yeah. Yep. My number eight is one that you mentioned already. Uh, it is our first crossover. It is Jaipur. Uh, mm-hmm. For all the reasons you said, it's a great two-player game. Plays quick. Set collection. Uh, uh, looks nice on the table. Generally inexpensive, easy to find. I could probably play it with my daughter. She'd probably like it a lot. Although we haven't, I don't think we ever have played it. But, um, but you can play it on a date, like you said, and it's yeah, really it's a good date easy. game. Yep, easy breezy game. Like I, it's this is when anytime people like I see questions that people ask on like uh, a Facebook uh, groups, uh, board game groups that I'm on. And they're like, good two-player games. I'm like, Jaipur is one of the first games I go to. Because it's like, if you... Because if you like complex games, it's got enough strategy. If you like easy games, it's easy enough. If you like quick games, it's quick game. If you like... You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. like hits a whole bunch of those notes. And I just think it's one of those games where you can just bring it out on a Friday night and play it whenever like and it introduces things like income and, and markets and stuff too right yep. so it, yep. it gives but not you... in a complex way like it's very easy to understand like what you're doing and yeah like yeah i just think like all around it's just uh it's one of the um it's one of the better two-player games out there and there are there are a number of them i have a favorite I... personal favorite two-player game but it's way too complex for most people so yeah, and I mean, like, uh, I, I like lots of two-player games, too, that I, I 
I didn't include in that as an option. Like I think Patchwork's a great example. Uh, Thunder and Lightning is one you and I have played. Thunder and Lightning is a good one too. Yeah, we played that. Really good. Um, Raptor, super fun. Raptor's excellent. I'd almost put it on the list, but it's like a little bit too complex. It's a little bit more involved, I think. Mm -hmm. Although I'm going to cheat later, so (laughs) (laughs) fair warning. But yeah, I mean, there's really no not much more to say about it. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. Number eight, Jepper. Good choice. Thanks, man. I would have picked myself, but it was number 10 for me. Uh, (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Okay, so number seven. Oh, I actually, can you believe it? Ah, That was so clever of me. I didn't do it on purpose. It just happened. Happy accident. Number seven for me is Seven Wonders. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I honestly did not plan that. Just regular uh, Seven Wonders or dual? Uh, I Okay, so uh, this is going to be... I put both on the list because I don't think okay. you should pick one over the other. I think it's context-based. Yeah, because the, uh, the two-player variant in the regular Seven Wonders I heard isn't very good. I haven't but, played this one. I have played dual. Oh, okay. But, uh, I think they're both good. I've played both of them in person a bunch and I've played both of them online a bunch. And I think depending upon what uh, floats your boat or what you're in the mood for, uh, pick Duel or pick Seven Wonders. Don't pick Seven Wonders two-player though. Like you said, it's just not as good. Regular two-player, yeah. Yeah. So we've we've talked about how awesome the game is. We haven't talked about what it is. Um, so I would just like to say before you before you get going, um, I'm not a fan of Duel. I didn't really care for it. I found it too. It pushes you too much towards military, but mm. I don't know. I, I don't know what base seven wonders is. is oh like, man, so play it online with play with board game arena. People okay. do not use military on on that. They like do everything but military. Okay, I think then I, think I might like it a little bit more. Dirty tactic and smart players don't use it. <laughs> I got my people. By the other guy using military, and I'm like, I want to do all this other stuff, and not really because yeah. I'm not. It's funny. I love war games, but I when it comes to um, euros or like regular games, and you by euros I mean like you know push like um, uh, worker placement and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, in those kind of games, I actually don't like using military. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. I'm a super weird guy. That's all. But like, yeah, you, just, uh, you so see I, shiny, and you're like, ooh, shiny. I'm going to try. Yeah, exactly. I want to do this. I want to build stuff. You know what I mean? In the game. Like, so yeah. like if they don't, if they use military in it less, I might like it a little bit more. So, but I, I've never actually played it. Okay. I fair enough. Like to, again, give my two cents. Like I was like, uh, so seven wonders, the original game came out, um, in 2010. So it's, a, it's a, it's 10 years old at this point, but, uh, and it's Staying funny because man. yeah, people say that it's, uh, it's kind of a midweight game. And it, it is, but it's a little less than midweight in terms of complexity and what you do in it. So I still think mm-hmm. it fits under the criteria of, of uh, a low barrier of entry game to teach people and to learn and to enjoy and to pull out in different contexts. So, or as we say in the hobby, it's a good fill game because uh, if you've played it lots, you can just get it to the table and knock it out in like 30 or 45 minutes. So, um yeah. Anyway, Seven yeah, Wonders I, I is a, I, I'm, I agree with you. Yeah, it's like on the yeah. lighter side of medium. Yeah, it's a it's a card drafting game. Uh, so you draft the cards uh, at the beginning of the game, 
or sorry, you draft your wonder at the beginning of the game, and then you draft cards as you play. And you're going to use these cards as action selection. So you can use them as money. You can use them to help build your wonders. You can use them as what they're intended. Um, and I feel like there's a fourth one. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm no, maybe I'm not. I'm thinking of something else maybe. Uh, but there's a few, anyway, point is, is there's a few purposes for them. You use them for, for their, their intended purpose. You sell them or you use them towards your wonder. And then uh, in addition to that, you're collecting sets in certain cases where you'll use those sets to either have more resources or to gain victory points towards the end of the game or to fulfill a condition. So Chris kind of alluded to the military instance earlier in the game or sorry, earlier in the podcast. Um, but in the base game, they're the, the standard game. You collect military points and then uh, whoever has the most military points gets a certain reward at the end of the game uh, and it can help you win but uh, what's interesting about this is that there's military card collection there's also there's also science card collection and there's also um, like special the purple cards I forgot what they're called but they they give you specific kinds of benefits so either. I just can't yep. remember off the top of my head. Uh, someone, if they really want to, they can email you and tell you what what it is. And then, um, oh, I'm 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 sure if if something bothers someone enough, they will. Uh, and then there's variable player powers, which come from the wonders. So the wonders you collect, uh, you need to fulfill a certain number of conditions in order to be able to build the wonder which means playing cards against it but then also having a certain amount of resources because if you don't have the right resources it costs you even more to actually assemble it and then once you've assembled it you'll get mm. you'll get immediate benefits or you'll get recurring benefits or end game benefits which are usually victory points or related to the resources you have which would earn you victory points based on the resources which is progressive point scoring or whatever so it's uh it's great because it like I said, it, I think it exposes people to drafting uh, in a meaningful way, and it's thematic enough that it's not boring. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100% Dominion is an mm -hmm. excellent drafting game, um, and, and does great things to like Dominion teach you about that. Uh, well, yeah, but there's also draft. So I always struggle with this, but in my opinion, like you, when you draft the card, uh, it becomes part of your deck. So I. It is deck building in the sense that you then have a deck. It's a little bit different. Drafting is yeah. more like you pick and deck building is more like you buy whatever the card, yeah. like whatever the card costs, which has a cost printed on the card. That's usually the difference, but I could see why you, I still like think they like, are like, really if you're similar drafting, mechanics. Yeah. So like, I also think like if you're constructing your deck at the beginning of the game, that's, that's also different than <laughs> deck building during the game. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other side conversation. That's a whole other thing, and I've argued with many people about this, and usually I'm told that I'm wrong, but that's okay. Um, this is a great drafting game. Great mm -hmm. interest to do that, and uh, and I think it also is a great set collection. It like really reinforces those ideas, and it's fun. So number yep. seven. Yeah, seven I I know a lot lots of people love this. Staying got staying power been around for a decade over a decade. Um, like you said, just enough of a theme, uh, but it's like a nice, it's like a nice intro to like a little bit more complex mechanisms, but not, 
anything overwhelming. So mm-hmm. like you said, so like drafting and variable player powers and stuff like that, right? And set collection. So you're just kind of easing them into like a little bit more, like here's a little bit, you like, you know, you like Jaipur and stuff like that. Here's a little bit more, mm-hmm. like just, just a little bit, you know, don't be afraid. It's fine. I'll hold your hand, but just a little, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> and so like, yeah, I totally agree. Um, at least compared to, to, I know dual is not the same, but it, it utilizes quite a number of the same kind of, just the way you're describing same kind of mechanism. So I would, I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, and, yeah. And duels, duels like supposedly better, but I think that's just because the way that people rate things is like completely <clears throat> biased and subjective. So yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't go by ratings. I don't go by ratings on, on this in terms of that. I go based on my experience. So mm-hmm. I would say pick one or the other and you'd be fine, but don't pick yep. two version of seven wonders. <laughs> Please don't yeah, play two. Exactly. Okay. Okay. My number seven is uh, one of the first, the, it's the second game I ever owned. And it's um, when I've played with my daughter a bunch too, and she really liked it. Uh, I got rid of it eventually because I just outgrew it because I figured out how to kind of game the system. And unless I had unlucky card draws, I would win it almost every time in the highest difficulty. (laughs) I never did get the, any of the expansions of which there are a lot too, but, uh, this game's been around a long time too. And that's, that is pandemic. Ah, pandemic. So that pandemic is a good, it's a cooperative game. Everybody's working towards one goal. That's the elimination of the, uh, four different viruses that are plaguing the <laughs> plaguing the entire uh, world's population. And you have nice. to move your markers around to different uh, parts of the world and mm-hmm. set up uh, research labs. And uh, it's also set collection, like you alluded to with uh, Seven Wonders. But you're, you're trying to do uh, you're trying to collect the necessary colors to get rid of the diseases and um everybody has a different player with different player powers like again variable player powers as well um Mm -hmm. and you you draw you draw uh cards from the event deck and if you get a city you'll place a virus in there if you uh, get an event you can have an outbreak where it spreads it to a bunch of cities so it's got a theme that uh has been everyone relates to now (laughs) yeah well especially now but even before like if you'd ever seen like a there's there's virus there's um uh um there's the um andromeda strain (laughs) there's outbreak there's contagion like there's so many virus movies that i think people are could be familiar enough with the theme that they'll be like oh okay so we're uh trying to cure viruses then okay cool i can get down with that and then it becomes a little bit easier to teach and i think if memory recall or if, if memory serves me correctly it's a 12 page rule book i think so it's not really that bad um no it's you it's just got to teach people to move like i played it with sarah when she was like 6 i think and all i had really had to do was tell her where she could move like yeah. oh you can go there you can't go there cuz you've got so many movement points on your turn so uh it's same from us right yeah yeah and Miguel it's like loves it. It's yeah, it's like uh, a pretty much uh, it's a go to gateway game for a lot of people. Um, and um, because if you don't like comp- uh, like competing, 
you're all working towards one goal to try to win the game and it's uh it's like binary it's like win or lose so mm-hmm. uh everybody's trying to work together and uh it's not difficult at all to play it's not super long um you can uh increase decrease difficulty which is i i have to say i don't see that in too many board games uh where you can actually uh, increase and decrease the difficulty level so that was uh, and especially considering i think it came out in like what is it 2009 or 2010 or something like that yeah the first one came out in 2008 so. yeah so it's it's been around for a long considering it came out then i mean that's that's a pretty i think almost kind of like ahead of its time a little Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I know a lot of people who this is their go-to gateway game that introduce people to a um, little bit more complex board games. And I well, in terms of cooperative games, it's 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 set the stage, right? Um, yeah, it it's yeah, it's, like it's, co-op it games exploded after this came out. Yeah, so it's 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 hard it's hard not to pick it, and you know, on a uh, a list where you were to say influential games like Pandemic for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, fits that bill and it's it's fun and like you said once you understand the puzzle i think maybe it loses a bit of its tread but what's interesting is that they've done this thing with it where they've and again maybe this is a, a, a proof that it's it's so popular is they've created so many different iterations of it now yes there's yep. dice rolling versions of it there's mm-hmm. uh themed ones based on different centuries um, mm-hmm. there's expansions that add different characters. There's also, yep. uh, a, a, interestingly enough, I think pandemic actually introduced the legacy format of gaming. So that's where you can actually play made game it and super see the popular board. Yeah. yeah made, made, made so the, the board evolves over successive plays. So whatever happens mm-hmm. in that particular game changes the state of the game in future plays. So pandemic has, yep has a lot of stuff going for it and i yep. i agree with I you have, like the original i have is played not as good. three different iterations of it what's that yeah i said the original is probably not as not as appealing to me anymore but for people who've never played it right. i'll play it with them but i i wouldn't pick it oh, 100%. Out, of the, out of the stack myself but uh the legacy ones are really fun i i really enjoy season one we we finished that recently uh we're gonna start season two oh, nice. soon and then there's zero which is supposed to be even better so i think they rate them overall people rate them like one zero and then two or something but um yeah pandemic is a great choice yeah excellent yeah. Choice. i i mean like i said it uh it was this i i bought that and elder sign were the first two games i ever bought elder sign for those people who don't know is as a cthulhu themed uh yeah um yahtzee dice chucker but King and, and that's a that's a light so version of of Arkham Horror and Elder Sword. Yeah, too, right? it is. So, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. But uh, at any rate, neither of those are in my collection anymore, just because. Um, and this is the important I think thing for uh people to understand. Sometimes, like I mean, sometimes you just kind of stick with entry level, and that's kind of what you like. But um, for me, my tastes have evolved to the point and like it sounds sounds really snooty but it's not really it's just it's just a really fancy way of saying i just kind of figured out what i liked over a period Mm -hmm. of time and those games just kind of don't really appeal to me anymore so um i've just kind of now my collection is still pretty small and uh, i think i have less than 30 and um yeah it's uh which is comparatively small (laughs) because i know lots of people have like hundreds but uh yeah it, it 
at any rate, yeah. Um, I just have really zoned in on the stuff that I really like, and I just that's just me. So yeah, yeah and like it, so in my case, I have a I have a fairly large collection by comparison because uh, there's different tastes in my family, and I also think mm-hmm. that because I play with so many people, it's like, well, not this past year, but uh, in general, in the past, I've played with lots of people. So it's like, yep. sometimes this is something that you'll, you'll learn too. If you, if you get into this hobby and as you evolve with it, you'll learn that you have different groups you play with or different players you play games with. Not generally, not everybody likes everything and not everybody is open to playing everything. So That's um, right. it's hard. It's hard to get, exposure to every type of game and you you might get to a point where you know like okay I'll, I'll play these kinds of games with this this group of friends or oh i have to go to this setting to play this kind of game or okay you know what once a year i'll pull this kind of game and expect i'll play with my family and i think that i think that's just something that you learn over time but um yeah pandemic to start out with and like you said chris for people who want to kind of stick in that light level of gaming is a great choice yeah and also i want to mention one other thing uh, as well um i'm so like i'm an avid solo gamer i play a lot of board games by myself everything except for one game in my collection is soloable um since pandemic is a solo game you can play it by yourself so if you don't mm-hmm. uh, like often i would just you know, my kids would be in bed or whatever. And I was just like, I feel like playing a board game. So I just like, um, when I was first starting, I just take pandemic out and play it. And, uh, yeah, like, so, you know, uh, and during COVID actually has been, it's been really handy having <laughs> solo board games <laughs> at my place. So, so I can still get plays in, but, uh, yeah, I would just like to mention too, that you could actually play it solo. If you, if you so desire, like if you wanted to learn it better or if you just wanted to play something and you don't have anybody to play with. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a puzzle game, right? So there's a, there's yep. an element of um, familiarity that comes from successful plays and you get better at the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, that's right. So, so n- yeah, pandemic six, is my number seven. And number six for me is mm-hmm. teach you. Uh, and I chose teach you because I feel like everyone at some point should get into a bidding game or a ladder climbing game or trick taking. Although technically teach you is not a trick taking game because it's successive plays of hands Mm. and you can stack them on each other. Whereas trick taking, it's like whoever has the best hand wins the round. So don't confuse this with trick taking, but it's kind of like trick taking. Um, In the sense that it's successive, it's successive card hands and better card hands get more points. Um, okay. So what how the how teach you works is it's a four player game. It's best best played with really the people can say you can play with like two or three or five or six. That's I'm gonna this will be my first time swearing on in this podcast. I say that's bullshit. You should At least only this play. With, yeah, I've I swear other I swear another podcast, but. This is, mm-hmm. I think that's bullshit. I think you have to play with four players because of the way it's designed. Um, this game is is quite old. Um, I actually th- think it actually originated in Asia. I I want to say it originated in China, but I don't hold me to that. Um, and 
I'm like 95% certain it's, uh, it's Chinese, but, uh, it it became popular in North America in the nineties. So that's when it was first introduced over here or at least became popular over here. Hmm. And, um, it's a, it's a partnership game. So you work with another player to play successive card hands and to either win the round by gaining all the really good cards or by giving all the, all the bad cards to the other players. And on top of that, Mm -hmm. you can actually um, guess at what the hand is going to be. And so it's called predictive bidding. And if you predictively bid correctly, you win even more points. So uh, the goal is to get to a thousand points and you can do that by playing smartly or by learning to read other players. So it's a super popular game amongst people who gamble or who uh, like to, you know, count cards or do trick taking games because um, it's complex enough that there's a variety that happens. No, no two games are the same, but it, it takes a standard 52 card deck and then adds in, these special cards. So the dog, the Phoenix, the dragon, and then a, a special card called Mahjong. And it's, it's fun. It's I, I, I'm, I stumbled upon it randomly at, at some gaming store that was closing down a couple years ago, finally, and then bought it. And I, I've played it like a handful of times and it's, it's every time I enjoy it. And I don't know if you've played it with me or not. I can't remember. I've never heard of this game. Full disclosure. Okay, perfect. I haven't even heard of it. Okay. So we should play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just need two people to play like, with. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's, 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 it sounds, yeah, it sounds interesting. I'd give it a yeah. go. But like, yeah, it's, I have no, I'd never heard of it. Fair enough. <laughs> so I have literally nothing to say. You left me speechless because I, I just don't know the game, but it sounds really cool. It's, uh, it's obviously, it's a little bit more of an abstract thing and in the mm-hmm. sense that it's like a card game, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. So that's my number six. Awesome. My number six is the cheat that I alluded to on this list. So um, this is a must-have, I think, f- if you're interested at all in any kind of war game or a, an historical game. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a game by the name of Pavlov's House. So this is a niche. Like I said, it's a niche game. Uh, it's like more of like it's more of a war game. It's about uh, the Battle of Stalingrad in 1940, 1942. and um, not not a lot of uh, um, games. Most of the World War II games are about like the Allies, or they're about not specifically like the Nazis. Not that you play it, although there is Nazis in this game. But um, a lot of World War II games are about you know um, more like they're focused on the the Allied. Uh, forces versus nazis or i have another one empire of the sun which is super complex but it's like the allies versus the japanese so they're Mm -hmm. more focused on that this one is about the russians against the nazis like and when they fought them in stalingrad and turned them away and uh they held held up in this like apartment complex and so the history of it is really cool so it taught me something that i'd never known before and i read up about it and i'm like oh this is really neat uh but in addition to that too the game is super easy to play. Like the rule book is not very complicated whatsoever. Uh, it gives you a reference sheet. What's uh, one, one sheet of reference, uh, reference sheet that highlights exactly how the turns work. 
um, there's a bunch of dice rolling in it, but you can mitigate uh, the heck out of it. So if you plan strategically enough, even if you roll badly, you're still fine. Hmm. And there is a way to auto lose the game, but you would have to roll, you roll three dice and you would have to roll triple six, like twice in a row. The odds of that are very low. But there are three distinct phases. One phase, you do um, supplies and you build up your the Russian forces on one side of the, the river. The second phase is the Nazis attack. And the third phase is you defend your house. And you got like little chits and they turn over for exhaustion. You got to flip them back over. It plays super quick. I can get a game done in this in like a half an hour. It's super easy to play. Um you can play it with uh, two-player co-op or two versus one, where one player plays as Nazi Nazis and then you play as the Russians. So you could play it uh, as a two-player game. And like I said, it's just you're going boom, boom, boom. It's nice and quick. You're dice rolling. You're doing strategic stuff. I really like, um, like I said, I really like historical stuff and I do like war games. But this is a mm-hmm. war game where you're just like, it's counters and chits and dice rolling. And it's, I got the nice mat for it because I like player mats, but uh, you don't have to. Board comes with it and stuff. And yeah, it's just, it's easy. If you flip over a card, you're like, okay, so they're attacking this here and here. I roll to see which one they're going to attack. Okay, they're going to attack that one. I roll for attack. Oh, they, <clears throat> they rolled uh, more than my defense. That means I take a hit. They roll less than my defense. I didn't move on. Gotcha. And then, yeah, like it's it's really fun, really quick, and but also super strategic. But like I said, this game is not for everybody. This is like a niche game if you're interested in a historical war game specifically. But I had to talk to tons of those. Right? So good, there are yeah, yeah but most of them, the most of the war games I find are more way more complex. So this one, like I said, it's one to th- you could play it. Th- uh, I believe you can three. play three even, but it's kind of. Yeah. I don't think it's really suited for three. You could at most play it at two, but um, most war games, like I've got Empire of the Sun, which is I'm on page 12 of 55 and it's ridiculously complicated. Or uh, Cuba Libre, which is another one you can play solo, which is like the um, Cuban Revolution 1957 mm-hmm. or 55 or something like that. Really interesting backdrop, but there's there's logical flow flow charts for the dummy players. Like, you know what I mean? Like most war games are not easy to learn. They take quite a bit of investment, but not this one. I was, uh, I bought it. I had it set up and playing within an hour and my first game took 45 minutes. I can run one of these bad boys in like 30, 35 minutes now. It's easy because I played it so much and it's still my collection. And I'd still like, could, I haven't played it in probably like about a year. I could get it out and play it now in half an hour. It's Mm. just boom, 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 quick. And you know, it's funny, it's, like yeah. with these coin games, I've I've always wanted to get this into one's not them. a coin game, but but yeah. I, I guess like I think of it as like I guess technically coin game is when there's like counterinsurgency. Yeah, it's it's much different. Completely opposite perspectives. I I don't know. Maybe this doesn't qualify because it's it's more balanced than that. Yeah, um, coin game is more like uh, you've played Root, right? Like Root yeah. is basically a coin game. It's basically yeah. it's a coin game with like an anthropomorphic um uh characters and it's a little bit less complex mm-hmm. uh but at its at its heart it plays like when i was when i was having the rules explained to me of root i'm like okay so it's a coin game then 
<laughs> and yeah. coin game stands for counterinsurgency and there's a certain line of games in in uh war game manufacturer called gmt that they're called coin games and there's a bunch of different ones there's like um uh there's one set in ancient greece and there's one set in vietnam and there's one set in cuban revolution and then there's the one set in the french algerian war like there's a whole bunch of those this one is from dan versen games and he makes a whole bunch of soloable like one to three player uh war games where um they're a little bit more abstract some of them but uh they're they folk instead of like the coin games are like these big epic like events like like i said cuban revolution or vietnam war um stuff like pavlov's house is like the battle of stalingrad or like um thunderbolt patchy leader is like um you're sending your planes on missions but it's like one piece of the campaign it just kind of laser focuses on that and that's yeah kind of so up. it's it's a little bit more dialed in so yeah a coin a coin would be more a campaign whereas this would be a specific scenario a little bit more. and and the way it works is like the the way the mechanics works are different too like coin games like so would you say war of the ring is a coin game then no no uh root no but as an as as another example would oh would i ring... say that war of the ring is a coin game i don't know i've never played it so i, I can't really speak to it I, I maybe it is maybe not i don't know uh i'd say it's like so, more it's closer to like a traditional war game where you have like um units on the board and your dice rolling and stuff but i have never actually played war of the ring so i can't fair enough can't say for something sure. something for me to learn more about over time and yep. anyway, what, I was, yep. what i was trying to say where we got a little bit distracted was i would mm-hmm. like to spend more time on war games and learn more about the culture of it because it represents a very big part of gaming and it, sometimes mm-hmm. I, I feel like the the war gamers and the board gamers and the card gamers um they don't they don't kind of cross paths they're at odds yeah yeah so that's yeah. a good choice on your part to put that in there because I I did not include a war game. Um, no, but I like I said, like t- there's a lot of people who will look at the um, they'll look at the it's like oh it's like a, um, a World War II game they'll be immediately turned off or war gaming isn't their thing or mm-hmm. uh, they're not really interested in the historical event and in which case like I wouldn't recommend it but if you're at all interested in I would because it's a nice easy entry level into Mm -hmm. the into that uh world like i i've taken from that i've gone from that to like empire of the sun where the it's a map of the pacific ocean that takes up my entire table (laughs) and i'm eventually going to learn how to play it (laughs) but it's going to take me a long time to learn it because it's uh it's an extremely complex game but this one is not that it's just like you do this on this side of the river do this with the nazis you do this in your house rinse repeat Mm -hmm. and you just do that until either you get to the end of the game or or they the nazis storm and take over your house or everybody dies yeah yep and uh something else too it does it has um in uh you can increase the difficulty as well so it's got a varying level of difficulty that you can so as you get uh, better you can increase the difficulty yes correct so yeah i really love the game a lot and uh, I, I feel like I would probably want to try this now that you've meant, recommended. I've heard about it before, but just getting your perspective on it, I think I have my I have my collection. We can play it, Tim. Okay, I just mean <laughs> I would like to try it out at some point. Yep, for sure. Yeah, cool. Uh, right, so moving six. on, uh, number five. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, crossover, pandemic. Uh, <laughs> I was sure this was on your list. Yeah, I I have to put it on here, um, <laughs> and I've already said all the things I I like about it and why it's important. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to. I was I was scouring for things to add here. I think there's <laughs> lots of other cooperative games that do a better job of it. Um, like I said, there's Pandemic Legacy, um, Arkham Horror. Eldritch Horror, which I personally feel is the best choice. I know people prefer Arkham Horror or Arkham Horror 2 or 3, uh, 3rd edition yeah. or whatever. But I like Eldritch because it's a little bit more of a global map. Uh, there's Arkham Horror, the card game too. Spirit Island is supposed to be really good and Gloomhaven. I have not played Spirit Island or Gloomhaven or Nemesis, which are all top picks. Um, which but is they're very complex games though. Be- yeah, because like... My family really likes playing cooperative games, but we just haven't gotten around to those yet. Although Miguel has expressed that he would want to play that with me. So uh, nice. maybe maybe in the next year or two, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a copy of Gloom Maven. I was thinking of Jaws of the Lion because I feel like it would be less intense. Yeah, that's where I would start. If you're going to start into that, I would probably go with Jaws of the Lion first because... I bought Gloomhaven and I cracked the rule book and got 10 pages in. I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> this, is <too laughs> this is just not for me. It's just, it's, it's too much game. Like there's too much in it, but, uh, um, it's also, I find dungeon crawlers like specifically too fiddly. Hmm. So it's just like, Oh, I got to go find this tile and like find this character and put this character here and then get his yeah. reference card. You know what I mean? It's just like a little too fiddly for me. So, but uh, I, I hear jaws of the lion cuts down on all that stuff like greatly, but still has the core mechanics Elements of, the, of game. the game. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I want to play, I want to play seventh continent and I want to play kingdom death monster and I want to play mechs versus minions and too many bones, but all those are huge time investments. So I need, and to money people. too, because they're not cheap. And money. I need to have people to play them with before I am mm-hmm. going to just sink into those. So yep. So pandemic is a great intro to that. And there's other ones like it too, like Horrified and um, you know, Thunderbirds is another one that's really good. Uh Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Sky. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 tons of examples. Um, but I would I would say start with pandemic if you like the, the cooperative game. Spread your wings and try other ones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, that's so my number five. Awesome. So my number five is one. It's one of two worker placement games on this list, but it's a different kind of it. So I I I put two on here. Fair enough. Um, because it uh, t- it it does something different. Worker placement, like it's it does a new kind of thing with worker placement. And um, that game is Architects of the West Kingdom. And the reason why it is on here (laughs) is because I have taught my nine-year-old daughter how to play this. It says 12 plus on the box for reference. I have taught my Mm -hmm. nine-year-old daughter to play this, and she regularly kicks my ass at it. The last time we played, she beat me by 12 points. (laughs) She's she's awesome at it. So if I can teach my nine-year-old to play it, I don't think it's overly complex. I love that Um, game, just full disclosure. It's really, really good. Like it's I had really to say fun. too, it's probably I have all three of the uh, West Kingdom games. It that one's probably my favorite. And the, uh, the yeah, the 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 thing that it does different with worker placement is you can uh, put a bunch of workers one by one on a spot to get more stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, you can capture somebody else's workers and then throw them in jail for money. <laughs> and, and, and don't forget, you have all your workers at the beginning of the game. You, yes. You don't collect them over time. You actually distribute them and then recollect them. And then recollect them. Uh, unless you like build a build like build a building which are represented by cards, which is as we said before, like every game is abstracted, but uh you lose that worker for a whole game. So it's all these cool, tight little decisions, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun and it plays really well the higher player count because there's so much interactivity and the rounds just there's no uh, a lot of, for reference, a lot of worker player game, oh, oh, sorry, worker placement games have rounds, like set rounds that you do. Like you do this, you put your mm-hmm. work down, you do a bunch of stuff, uh, you get income, you do cleanup, rinse, repeat. This one, there's no rounds. You just keep going. You just keep yep. going and keep, even if you run out of workers, then your turn is to pick one up off the board and then you play that one the next. But essentially you just keep going until you get to the end game condition and you total up points. And it's really... Yeah, it- um, it's, it's, just, it's just like a straightforward, fun worker placement game. And and um, because you just keep going, it never feels like it lags. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, you're not like, sitting there waiting like, like, I'm waiting for my turn. I'm waiting for my turn. I'm waiting for my turn. I mean, there's a little bit of downtime, but not not a lot. I actually find that I feel pressured when I'm playing it. Like, oh my God, because you got to keep it moving. Yeah, that's fair. I'm like, I just yeah, so like. Yeah, I just I just went and now I don't yeah, but that's the nice thing. It's a nice brisk pace and you never feel like you slow down. And uh um even I think we played a five player game once and it took yeah, and it was us good. Like maybe a little like a little over an hour, like hour, hour and a half, which is not a long like it sounds like that sounds like a long time, but it's not a long time at all. Like not, not, when, it, not when you play most worker placements, like they can they can stretch it to like three or four hours. Yeah, three, four hours. So like this is um Nice brisk pace, like I said. Um, the rule book's pretty good too, and 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 I uh, like I, I taught my daughter. But again, if I could teach my nine year old play this, how complex can it be? <laughs> so and, and she's good at to it. Whole too. Yeah, and she's good at it. So you know what? Uh, mm-hmm. I have played this. Uh, I have brought this out to newbies, and they have enjoyed it as well. So I would highly recommend this one, and it's not very expensive either. I think you can get a copy of it for like fifty bucks. So. Mm-hmm. Which is like well worth the, uh, for what you get in the box, it's well worth the, uh, well well worth the price. So, yeah, I it's, highly recommend this one as a as a nice, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good worker placement game. It's is tough because like I I really like those types of games, and there's a I have a massive list of games that fit under that worker placement criteria. So for me, yeah. it was it was hard because I didn't want to. I could I could probably pick ten worker placement games to start a board game collection with. <laughs> oh yeah, because there's so many. Um, and maybe that's something we could do a ranking on at some point. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's a popular enough format that, that we could probably talk yeah. about that. I've I, I've got another one on the list, but it's it's quite a bit different from this one. And I've got one that is part worker placement, but. That's only half of what it does. You could probably guess what it is, but uh, uh, at any rate, yeah, you can probably think, guess both of them. You probably could I guess probably, both of them. I think I probably can guess what the second one is. But yeah. I, because I'm so going at any before rate, yeah. you, I might be. What's that? Because I'm going before you, I might get to say it before you do. You might actually get to say it before me. Yes, but at any rate, yeah. Uh, so I do have a couple, but. Um, 
for the most part, I was able to avoid that that trap of like, I love worker placement. All my ten are gonna be worker placement games. <laughs> I, I I avoided that nicely. I think. Yeah, I think so. so yeah. So All right. now we're on uh, number yeah. four. Go ahead. Yeah. So my number four is not by any stretch of my imagination my favorite one of these kinds of games, but I think holding to my original point, which is low barrier of entry represents a specific type of game and um, kind of thematically can appeal to a lot of people. Uh, I chose a game that is miniatures, modular boards, scenarios, and has light take that in it a little bit more take that than some of the previous entries I, I suggested like, um, well, Jaipur and, uh, seven wonders and teach you, I guess teach you isn't really, I have no idea what this game is. Um, (laughs) it does have take that now that I think about it a little bit, Mm. Ah, such a good game. So under, so underrated in today's landscape, but that's okay. Um, so my number four is Arcadia quest. Um, okay. Never actually. And and it's fun. We should play it sometime. It's, it's super light. Uh, there's a bajillion expansions, a bajillion yeah. versions. There's a bajillion miniatures you can buy. I have none of that. I have the base game. But <laughs> as you know, I don't generally buy a lot of stuff because when we've had this conversation before on the collecting podcast episode, I don't yeah. want to buy all of the stuff for this game. I want to experience all the different kinds of games and then... I can start making some hard decisions about what I really want for the next 30, 40 years. And if I really have to, I can get rid of this and get something different. But Arcadia Quest Mm -hmm. represents a style of gaming that has evolved in the past, I want to say six years, maybe seven. Really blew up with Kickstarter. um, Where games are... Is it a dungeon crawl? It's a dungeon crawl. uh, Are mass-produced... Uh, feature lots of bells and whistles, are really cool to look at, and sometimes, unfortunately, are not amazing to play. Um, I think Arcadia Quest <laughs> yeah. is is fortunate in the sense that it was one of the earlier entries in this kind of format. So it's, um, it's still fun, and it's also really simple. Uh, it's a dungeon crawl, like you said. So you're, you're basically, you move, you can do a short-range attack, you can do a long-range attack, depending upon your character. Um, you can grab treasure, you can open and close doors. Like it's very straightforward dungeon crawl. But what's interesting about it is that the mm-hmm. objectives of the game change depending upon what you, what scenario you're playing or what cards you pull. Uh, and win conditions can be met in a few different ways, like eliminate all the monsters or collect all the treasure or hit your, uh, hit, hit your other player once or twice. So it's not entirely cooperative. <laughs> You're actually kind of a dick, like you're treasure hunting. Interesting. And, and you're, you're you're in a party, but you don't you don't 100 work together. So you can screw each other over, which is fun. It's fun in that hmm. format because you don't experience a lot of that in standard okay. dungeon crawls. Um. No, no, you don't. Uh. So yeah, like I said, it kind of uh, those are the four elements that I call out about it, which is the miniatures, the modular board, the scenario, and the take that because I think those are the strongest parts of the game. Um, the collecting mm, okay. aside, like if you want to collect a lot of stuff, I guess if you really got into it, you could collect all the stuff. 
but um yeah i think it's really fun and um it's a little bit heavier than middle of the road but not much more and there's lots of other examples of miniature based games which i think we played a lot of them together uh in and some we haven't but mm-hmm. i think between the two of us we played most of them so some of the best ones being like gloomhaven and star wars rebellion and war of the ring nemesis blood rage kingdom death monster sword and sorcery uh yeah sword and sorcery is a good one uh rising sun uh, yeah. i have not played imperial assault i don't know if you mm-hmm. have but i would i want to play it because i feel like i, I would no. prefer it over descent and i have descent and i like it but it's I'd rather have star wars because i'm a star wars dork yeah um, the star wars <laughs> and of there's, there's I, Lord I played mansions of madness and i didn't like it yeah and then i also really love commit i was i almost put commit on the list but i think this is a little bit easier to play than commit um yeah, probably. Is super good. I've never played that one either. Oh man, yeah, I I've love, heard that. I still uh, really love Super, super mean, super yeah. mean. I heard. Yeah, yeah. So as long, <laughs> again, as long as you're in, in, in for that. My my position on dungeon crawlers is I don't think I'd own one, but if somebody wants, would hey, let's sit down and play it, and I'll do like all the fiddly little work of stuff. running the side stuff I, then i'd be more than happy to play like i played shadows of brimstone where you're like um it's a sort of science fiction cthulhu world melded with a western and that was super mm-hmm. fun but because i didn't have to run anything <laughs> like nathan <laughs> uh one of our one of our friends uh, who yeah. uh used to be who used to game with uh, a lot more but uh he had all the stuff for it and he just ran all the the little fiddly stuff i'm more than happy to play it i just don't want to have to run it and again, that's one of those things where it's like, I think with the right group and the right consistency, you can play lots of those kinds of games yeah, and get could, into yeah. the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. But when, 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 whenever Chris is in my gaming group or we're playing games with a bunch of people, it's like, we're always playing the next thing. We're never, we never really stick to the same thing for weeks on end. I also had a really nope. bad experience with a, a legacy game where it's kind of soured me on it. I'm starting, I'm starting Fair. to get over that, but. Anyway, that's uh, that was a lot of exposition for Arcade Quest, and I think sixty <laughs> percent of it was Arcadia not about Quest, Arcade yeah. Quest. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we do that all the time. Okay, so that's my so, number four. My number four, and it's funny that you mentioned um, buying all the stuff for it. <laughs> so it's a good segue <laughs> for me because my number four is a deck builder by the name of Marvel Legendary. Now, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of different flavors of Legendary, but the reason why I bring up like buying a whole bunch of i don't have everything for it full disclosure but i do have a hobby lobby wooden case and a custom mat and um custom dividers print off bgg and four big box expansions and seven small seven or eight small box um Mm -hmm. i priced i i I did sort of like just for fun pricing it out and i have about a thousand dollars worth of marvel legendary That I've no, she, I didn't buy it all at once. Just to be clear, I've bought it over several years, like it over piecemeal, six weeks. like a little bit of time, but <laughs> over six weeks, yeah. <laughs> so I bought it piecemeal, a little bit at a time. And in fact, I bought Secret Wars, uh, or, uh, yeah, Secret Wars, uh, off of an uh, uh, exchange, and I got basically uh, both big box expansions for like thirty dollars. So that Which, one, if I got you know anything super, about the, those, that's like a pretty good deal. <laughs> Well, considering they're about the big box expansions are about fifty five bucks a pop. Yeah, uh, I got a I got a hundred and ten dollar value for like thirty bucks. So, um, yeah, the guy was he was just looking to get rid of it. So, and uh, mm. I'm like, yeah, and that's 
that at that point I had filled out my case and then I stopped collecting it because I don't have any more space. So, and I don't want to get another case or anything because I have so many combinations of this now that it's just like, I got an app for it because I got so many combinations, permutations of cards that I just don't need any more for it. Uh, yeah, you, but, you uh, could play multiple scenarios. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I like about Legendary is, so I had to put a deck builder on this list because deck building is a favorite mechanic of mine. And essentially, we went over it a little bit earlier where you have a, mm-hmm. everybody starts out with a uh, basic set of cards and then throughout the game, you purchase uh, more powerful uh, cards to do more powerful things as the game goes on. And what yeah. Marvel Legendary does, uh, what I nicely, uh, because I am I love comic books, is if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know that I love Marvel <laughs> and comic yeah. books. So it takes the, uh, like a whole bunch of the characters in the Marvel Universe and it puts them into the game. So you can uh, be Bruce Banner and turn into the Hulk and gain a whole bunch of attack power and attack the villain. You can attack Thanos, who's trying to assemble all the uh, infinity gems into the infinity gauntlet and take over the universe. And uh, I am Bruce Banner turning into the Hulk attacking him. That's cool. And yeah. it's not, it's not that difficult to uh, learn and to play. Uh, the setup time at the beginning is a little bit of a, a, a pain, but because I got dividers and I've got an app, it's actually not that bad. Uh, I don't find, and I play this, it's my by far my most played game. You can play it solo. I play it two-handed solo all the time. Uh, every time I play it with people, they seem to like it. Um, and uh, like I said, it's not that hard, basically. Oh, I got this deck. Here's what I can do to, uh, like, here's what attack does. Here's what buy does. You just got to, and I've got, like, I printed out, like, a, um, a reference sheet for all the keywords, too, so I don't have to look through the different manuals. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's easy for me to look up keywords as well of what different things and different cards do. And so, uh, yeah, you play it, like, once or twice and, like, boom, you've got it. It's pretty yeah. easy. And, if, like, again, if you like Marvel, it's just a nice sort of simple deck building game that it's you can get a lot out of, I think. I Yeah, I agree. I didn't put deck building on here, and I, I was really close to doing it. But then I was like, you know what? There's some other things I want to talk about. I would have chosen Star Realms, to be honest. Although it's not the That's fair. That almost made best. me list. Yeah. I would have chosen that. Um, it's really good with the command I, packs. Yeah. Or, oh, I got the command. Mystique got me an expansion for it for Christmas, and I, we haven't played nice. it yet. And I just got nice. reminded of that, and I was like, oh, man, I got to play some Star Realms this weekend. What? Yeah, Star Realms is good. And, and Star Realms also, uh, Star Realms Frontiers can be played solo. Yeah, and you can play it solo with the command packs, and it's freaking great. I play uh, Star Realms with the kids too, but Star Realms is also a good one because it's a lo- it's much quicker, and the setup time is way quicker. So I would also uh, recommend that. I put this, I put Legendary on here because, um, you love uh, more. yeah, I'm I'm just biased because I have like a shit ton of Legendary. <laughs> I I almost considered a couple other ones too, and it was like Aeon's End mm-hmm. would have been a good choice, and a little bit too complex, I think. But it's too complex. I also would have chosen potentially Quest for El Dorado because it's deck building, but it's also racing and it's super light. Mm. Um, yeah, well, that's a good pick too. Clank is yeah. another one that's racing and deck building yep. that's relatively light. Yeah, Clank is would be a really good choice too if you're looking to get into deck building. Um, what's the other one? And like the old tried and true classic Dominion, although I find it a little bit too bland personally. It's way too dry for me. Yeah. Personally, but like a lot of people, I know a lot of people like it. So, 
Yeah. And it's the, that's the one that games. popularized it. Yeah. I, I I do have the first two games. I have the base game and uh, Intrigue, but um, oh, yeah. mostly because I collected it because it was something to collect. But I think, yep. again, if I'm calling my collection, I probably wouldn't keep it because it's like I have other things that are better than that now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and other deck builders have far surpassed it. But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of deck builders out there. And then there's like the, some of the newer ones now that com- have combined deck building and worker placement, like uh, your Lost Ruins of Arnak and your um, Dune Imperium. Uh, Quacks so, is that supposed to be a worker nope. placement as well? I don't. I, I don't think it has deck building in it. Does it? I think that's I know, that's I bag think. building, isn't it? Oh, maybe it's bag. I want to building. say that one's bag building. But at any rate, yeah. So like you've you've you're starting to get uh, hybrids between. Um, uh, in fact, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, uh, which is in the West Kingdom trilogy, obviously, uh, that is also a hybrid worker placement deck builder. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a, a bunch of good ones. I just picked this one because, yeah, like I I have love it I a lot. Fell in it's... love with the first time I played it, and I just like have collected so much crap for it. So, and it, it's fairly <laughs> straightforward too, right? Like it it definitely yeah. fits into that. Another one I would have potentially considered is Ascension. I played yep, a ton good. of Ascension, which you is and I basically, played Ascension. yeah, I played it with you a few times too. It's, it's, um, it's actually designed by the guys who left Wizards of the Coast after Magic was created. So it, oh, yeah. it's like, it's like an iteration of Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering, yeah. Which I've yeah. also played. I played tons of that growing up. Anyway, yeah, uh, I'm doing that again, derailing, sorry. No, so it's all good, good, man. Uh, good yeah, like good I could talk about my favorite deck builder all day, but that was my number four is Marvel Legendary. Now there's a whole bunch of other iterate, like you can get Buffy Legendary, James Bond Legendary, X-Files mm-hmm. Legendary, Firefly Legendary. Alien. I have uh, Predator and Alien as well, but Alien's like there's a bunch good. of different flavors. Oh, Big Trouble in Little China Legendary as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. there is a theme of Legendary out there for you if, if, that's, if uh, you're not into superheroes, so. That's why I put legendary, not necessarily Marvel legendary. But anyway, that's my number four. Good pick. Uh, So my number three is uh, my first area control entry, uh, El Grande. I I love area control games. Classic. I love, 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 love them, as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. Discworld. Discworld, man. Yeah, but that's not on this list because it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's an entry level game. Um, no. Uh, so El Grande is a area majority or influence game or control, depending on how your perspective is. Um, what's amazing about this game is that it's actually quite old at this point, but um, I still think it's one of the best ones ever. I think it originally came out in like 1990, like 95. So something like quite, that yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty old. old it like it's around the same time as i want to say carcassonne Catan? and, and Catan. Yeah. um i didn't find out about it until i got more into the hobby in like 2014 2015 so regret on my part well not regret but i wish i would oh, i've never played it personally oh man we gotta try it yeah we, we do try it yep it's one of my it's one of my favorite for a reason man yeah one of my yeah. favorites so it's actually one of my favorite games that's on this list as well. Uh, so that's why I saved it to later. Cause I don't think, I think if you start playing some of these other games, when you get to this one, um, you'll be a lot more familiar with um, action selection, which is a major part of this game. Uh, drafting. 
So you actually draft actions and then depending upon what turn order you're in or, and also what cards you've played on your turn will dictate what cards you get to pick up next or what order you get to go in. Um, because when you play the game, you're going to have a special ability that's your ability for that round. Um, and you can play it and it'll impact the game state. So potentially moving the El Grande around, moving what what uh, parts of the board people can place their meeples on. Um, it can also impact like how many meeples are added or removed. Um, another thing that's really neat about this game is it has a tower that you actually will dump meeples into and you are, or you earn points for knowing what ha- has been placed into there over time. So it's like an element of bidding as well. And um, mm, okay. It's got a lot of stuff in it. Actually there's drafting area control, card drafting, hand management, memory, which is related to the bidding, simultaneous action selection. There's progressive uh, turn order stuff as well as stat-based turn order stuff and uh, scoring. So you win based on your score, not based on how many areas you control, but how many areas you control can definitely determine how many points you get because certain areas are going to be worth more than others. And you stack points based on what things you place into those areas Oh, so fun. I, I could talk about this game forever. Nice. I, I don't want to like talk about it too much because I think it'll I think it'll um, take away. I think you should just play it. But like you said, it's a classic for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. And I have literally every expansion for it and have not played all of them. And I want to. <laughs> There's like five expansions for nice. it. So this is one of those nice. instances where it's something that I love. And I know that the expansions will make the game interesting. And it doesn't have a bajillion expansions. It only has like four or five, which to me feels like enough, you know, like you don't need, you don't need 12 expansions of a game in order to enjoy it. I think like five is a good cap. So my number three, El Grande. Nice. My number three is a game that you didn't get to say before me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. Um, it is part worker placement, but part uh, what we call tableau building, meaning you have like uh, your own little area in front of you where you place cards in. And in this case, you're building a town filled with anthropomorphic animals. It's my next and, one, this game is called Everdell. And uh, it's a newer game. But I wanted to put a tableau building one on here um, that increases difficulty a little bit, but it's also not complex. Mm-hmm. And essentially what you're going through doing here is you're trying to build a little animal town in front of you. It's cute little anthropomorphic animals. But there's also a lot of like comboing going on in between the cards. So you can do... Um, there's things on the bottom of the cards that you can cover and then use that to pay to build another card. And um, you have to gather resources to build it like little little berries that are made of like little like this little plastic resin, like little pieces of stone, little twigs and like little gems. And essentially you're just competing against everybody else to get the most points. And Mm -hmm. uh, um, you cycle through the there's a giant deck of cards that you cycle through. The art is gorgeous. It, it comes up with this tree that stands up that has the stuff on the top. Some people don't like it because it's uh, you kind of can't see what some of the bonus cards up on top are. But yeah. yeah, I don't, and it can be obstructive. I personally don't mind that, but I can see how other people would. Um, 
it's a gorgeous production. It's not that expensive. Um, a lot of people love terraforming Mars, but for me, this game fixes all the problems I had with that game. And that being like, uh, the components, the art, uh, the randomness, uh, the downtime, like, and the length of overall length of the game are all issues I have terraforming Mars and terraforming Mars. And this one fixes it, fixes all those problems. And it gives you a nice little tableau builder. And like I said, everything, the production's great. You get these little wooden meeple animals that are super cute. One of the expansions comes with these bigger uh, animal meeples that you can put your smaller ones in a little saddle and put it on top of them. And it's super adorable. Huh. Yeah, and, I've only played uh, bass. I haven't played one. Yeah, uh, bass is really good. Um, one of the expansions is okay. It's just kind of more of the same. But uh, the, there's one that's um, got a whole bunch of uh, uh, different pieces that you can put in it piecemeal. Uh, like you can have a market, like a different market, or you can put um, uh, different goals and stuff in it and stuff like that. You can add them as you want. And uh, the other one, Spirecrest, is my personal favorite because it changes the game a lot. And it gives you some really powerful stuff that you can do. You can have variable player player powers. You can play the solo. You can, um, yeah, it's just like it hits that sweet spot. Uh, doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a nice little fun game. Uh, my goal is to uh, introduce my daughter to this one in short order because I think she'll find it cute and really like it. And um, yeah, I just like I really like this one a lot, and and I think it's I think it's just a great little game, and um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's complex at all personally. Good choice. Yeah. Thanks, man. I I uh, I I I also like Everdell, and I think. So I'm going to add something to you, to your point about it versus Terraform Mars. Cause I remember, I remember when you were explaining the game to me, cause I had not played it and you'd played it a, like a bajillion times before I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'd played Terraforming Mars quite a bit before you did, but I think you've actually logged more time on both now. Um, yep. I like Terraforming Mars. I still like it, but I mm, am going to, uh, I guess, spoiler alert. I'm going to say, I think, Everdell is actually fits a better market than Terraforming Mars. I think Terraforming yeah. Mars is more of like a gamer's game in the sense that if you really like complex systems and you get a lot out of that, you can play that and enjoy it. But it is definitely not user-friendly as an experience. Yeah. I, and, you know, what's funny is like, I, it's, it's funny you say that because I usually like way more complex games. So it's really funny to me that I like the simpler version of it a lot more. My biggest problem yeah. with Terraforming Mars is like, like the art and components aren't good. That's fine. Whatever I can get over. Like I love Castles yeah. Burgundy and the art, art and components aren't in that aren't the greatest. But, um, my biggest problem with Terraforming Mars is, 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 is two things, the downtime and the length. Like I would mm-hmm. never, ever, 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 ever play Terraforming Mars with five players. Don't, 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 don't. You'll yeah, be there you're, for you're four slog hours through it. Yeah. yeah, it's a s- absolute slog, and especially too. And the thing that, uh, um, like Everdell doesn't go like I think we took like an hour and a half, an hour and forty-five, and mm-hmm. but because at a, we played a four or five-player game and. Uh, three of us had three of you guys hadn't played it before, so there was a learning mm-hmm. curve. But like, Terraform, like the the thing that it, the thing that it fixes, like the downtime especially, 
as terraforming Mars, you get through an era and once you pass, you got to wait for everybody to do their stuff. You could be yeah. waiting 20 minutes before you go again in Everdell. When you go between seasons, you just keep going. And so like, mm -hmm. there's no downtime. You're just like, not no downtime, but there's no downtime in between. And terraforming but you Mars, can I have was someone end earlier awful. than the other players. You is, can, but I haven't seen that happen where like nobody, I haven't never seen it happen where somebody ends a half an hour before everybody else. It's like five minutes. Terraforming yeah. Mars, I have played a five player game of Terraforming Mars where I've ended an era and I've waited 25 minutes to take my turn. And I'm like, that is, that's like, no, Ridiculous. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't want to yeah. play that game, you know? And it's yeah, just, yeah. I just don't, yeah. The randomness is one thing. You, it's I think you can mitigate it enough. Like I've come around on that a little bit in Terraform Mars, but even then, like Everdell does it better because you got all the cards and you 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 can cycle through cards a lot easier. But you've got the meadow, which provides you an extra eight in addition to the cards you have in your hand. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've, um, especially when you play with the player powers in Terraform Mars, uh, a guy had uh, one of the guys I was playing with. He had a discount to mining, and he didn't see a mining card for three rounds. Like yeah, there's right? still elements so of that just, never yeah. I I I don't I don't think that it completely resolves that issue. I think no, it doesn't. It just does it better. I find. Yeah, and yeah. I think the other thing, the other distinguishing thing between these two games, which is why I would say don't start with that. Start with Everdell. Is yep. Terraforming Mars has a lot of progression tracks to it, whereas mm -hmm. Everdell really has like two or three that you're kind of going after. There's four yep. basic types of tracks you can go after, which are types of, well, maybe is it five? Actually, it might be five. There's five, right? Uh, well, you're, the, you're collecting victory points and you're trying yeah, to Yeah, but like the like... types of cars you can collect, there's five types. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where's yeah. Like the, the green ones, the purple ones, the blue ones, and the gray ones. And that's kind of it. And but then there's like a track Mars, where you can just discard yeah. a bunch of cards and then get victory points at the end. But that's but whereas with Timmy from Mars, there's like a bunch of different kinds of cards and different iterations within those types of cards. And um I think that it could be overwhelming to it's way like, more complex for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, you you gotta worry about the temperature track and the air track and uh all the tracks in your player board and um, and your cards that you're getting too. On and the cards that. that you're getting, and uh the, the awards <laughs> at the bottom. And if you're like me and your strategy is almost always to avoid the board and just uh, do the animal cards in front of you, and that almost always wins you the game. Um, <laughs> you like have like the animal cards where you're adding cubes to that and you got to kind of keep track of that too. And like, cause uh, with the animals, you have to have certain oxygen, certain temperatures. So you're like looking at the, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more to manage. So like, yeah, I could see like people playing Everdome and progressing the terraforming Mars. I just think it's for me, I just think I'm like I'm I've played it a half dozen or more plays at this point. I'm just kind of done with it because it's just it has too many problems for me personally. But like everybody mm -hmm. loves it. So, yeah, yeah what do I know? <laughs> uh, well, again, I, I think that's why, again, I would say that this is a good choice. So just segueing into that, my number two is Everdell. <laughs> Yay. So, uh, so I, I came around on this because, I, I, again, like I said, originally I... I liked Terraforming Mars, and the first time I played this, I said, I think I still like Terraforming Mars better. The second time I played it, I played it with Miguel. I was like, you know what? I actually like Everdell. I think it's good. And then when I played it with Mystique and Miguel, I was like, no, this game is really good. 
Um, I, I think, I don't know why, but I think it takes a little bit of warming up too. And I, maybe it's because I've played so many board games that for me, it's just like, oh, more Probably. of the same. But there's mm-hmm. something to it for sure. It's definitely got something to it. And I think the theme of it is better than Terraforming Mars. Um, not that Terraforming mm-hmm. Mars is themeless. It does definitely have a theme. I just think that this theme is better. So for me, um, I wrote down worker placement, income, and solo gaming. Because I think if you want to get into solo gaming, this is a great inroad into that. Yep, um, I would agree. It, it's also introduces income in a really smart way. Like there's distinct, not only is there distinct types of resources, there's distinct textures of the resources. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's very clear that you have different kinds of resources and you have to manage them. And um, you don't forget like, Oh, I need more gems or, Oh, I need more stones. Like, you know what you have because they're very distinct. Yes. uh, At any given point. I will say too, as well, this, this, this isn't a game where you'll get pigeonholed into a strategy either. Like I have played games where I've like, okay, I'm going to do like production and like the berry cards. And I'm like, oh crap, I like, I can't get to the berry. So I'm just going to pivot and go over here. You can change up stuff on the fly and it doesn't wreck your game. No, you can, you can change like it really, totally. Really what, what you draft at the beginning of the game isn't necessarily, you're not like married to that. Whereas with terraforming Mars, you yeah. could be stuck with a faction and a set of cards and like, how do I rectify this? Um, and it's a lot more difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think this game is, again, barrier of entry is not there. It's a lot easier to get into it, understand mm-hmm. how the game works, what's expected of you. And um, it's less likely you're going to have a bad time because you could have a bad time with Terraforming Mars uh, or theoretically you could if things don't yeah, go you away. Could, yeah. I, I think if you've played it enough or interested in board games enough, you like you can rectify that. But um, y- you never know. You might be someone who who has you a really be bad game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, I yeah. just it, like I said, it's 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 the downtime, the length is the two biggest issues for me. Like for the love of everything, like in that's in this world, do not play Terraforming Mars with five people. It's just you will yeah. have a terrible time with it. Also, yeah. Everdell introduces variable setups of the game, and that's something that I haven't yes. talked about it in any of these other games yet. Oh, that's true. Yeah, um, I think you might have in some of yours, but uh, mm-hmm. that's something that, as you play more board games, <clears throat> it becomes more common that the game state you enter into isn't always the same. Pandemic kind of does that too, a little to bit to an yeah. extent, but not to the same level that this game does. No, um, no, and so it's good games, to keep things fresh too. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. my number two. Good choice, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. So, so I w- yeah. 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 Awesome. Alrighty. My number two is a game about making wine. Mm. <laughs> and so it is also a worker placement game, but it's way more heavier on worker placement than Everdell is. I, I feel Everdell is a, a, a tale of two games is worker placement, but there's also card play and tableau building whereas um viticulture which is the game that i'm talking about is Mm -hmm. uh you're placing workers you're getting stuff to do other stuff and essentially you're trying to um 
grow grapes and make wine in a vineyard and fulfill wine orders. And the first person to a certain number of victory points wins the game. Um, you're trying to get all, you, it's, it's, I mean, I'm of the opinion that almost all Stonemaier games, which is the company that makes uh, this particular game, almost all yep. of them are races. I find this is probably the best implementation of the of his races that he likes to to do. Careful, so you're just racing to get your stuff out. You're you're racing to get to your um you're racing to get the best grapes so you can race to make the best wines. So you can race to fulfill the best orders and get yeah, most income and, and and there's limited actions, the right? There's, mm-hmm. It's it's a good example of a limited uh, action game. So your workers occupy the space, so therefore the other workers or other players can't rather go can't go there. Cause in, um, in architects of the West kingdom, it's that's a non-issue, but in Everdale it is. And in viticulture, it is, I think even more so even it's more even, so. Yeah. yeah. Now what viticulture did, uh, cause they've have so many different editions of this game, but the, the one that you can buy readily now in stores is the essential edition where they have what's called the grande worker. It's bigger than all the rest of your workers. So you can tell, uh, that it's special, but what it does is allows you to go to one space once per round that somebody else is on. So if you really are stuck, you can get around that with this one thing. And it put it in there because it learned from various iterations of the game that people did not like being mm-hmm. shoehorned into um like i can't do anything except plant which i've already done like that sucks uh yeah. this is also a game that you can solo as well uh which i have done and i also like that within this there's a nice little progression because you can start out with the base game and get comfortable with it and then by the expansion which i won't play without at this point because i'm just so used to it now uh is tuscany which makes a good game great uh yeah. it has all so like it's uh this I is a game better. where you go through the different seasons and the main game you only really like uh going into um spring is like you just draw a card where it is in the tuscany expansion you have actual spaces that you can go on and do things mm-hmm. so it opens up a lot more options also too instead of uh, fulfilling wine orders being the only way you can get points. It allows you to sell different kinds of wine if you're in a bind and stuck. So it opens up more past the victory. Um, and uh, it just, it takes the good game and makes it great. But uh, I feel like the base game is still a good place to start and you can get comfortable with that. You can even play it solo to learn it. It's got a little campaign system I've never tried, but you could do that. And um, and yeah, you can start there and just and and add Tuscany at some other point, which doesn't drastically make it more complex. It just opens no, up a whole bunch more so. avenues to you. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like this game. This was the third game I ever owned, and I still have it. So that speaks to how high regard I hold it in. And, and just to add, I did not put this on my list, so not don't expect a surprise that it's gonna no, no, not show up. I I didn't think that you did, uh, but. Uh, it is. Uh, I've seen this on top a lot of a, a number of other top ten essential games lists uh, because yeah. it's just for people. It's kind of the um, uh, lighter on the side of medium weight uh, um, worker placement game. Looks really nice. It's a theme that people can get into. Uh, not that hard to learn, and uh, you, it has an expansion that makes it even better. And, and it's and just it, yeah. It rewards progressive plays too. Like as you yes, play it more and more, it becomes well. more enjoyable because um, the card drafting 
or okay, not drafting, sorry, card draw the decks. Yep. Um, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. Some people have complained that the decks are unbalanced. I think that is also bullshit. So second. Well, the they've podcast. addressed that with a lot of the uh, expansions, actually. Cause, so they've got exactly. card-only expansions to it where they've balanced out the decks, even if, if that's your thing, too. So I, 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 I didn't I just find it too bad either. Matter. Yeah, I just don't think it matters. No, I, I like, didn't find it that bad either, actually. It like, actually... Yeah. It, as a game, like it's actually more fun to see how people get creative with their card use. So for yep. me, it's like when they say, oh, it's unbalanced. I'm like, yeah, but like you don't know that you're going to get that card. If you use the card effectively, then good on you. If you don't, then well, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, no, I so, agree. And you can mitigate that by like, uh, um, by like, you can kind of spam the deck a little bit so you can get through it to get the one you want. So you can mitigate that a little bit. I found anyway, playing solo. And the cool thing about this too, is that it, it plays. So like in most games, turn order is a thing that it, well, it can change. Uh, um, it usually changed by like uh, who's leading in points or something like that. This one, you pick turn order every time. And it's an auction. It incentivizes you to not go first. Like, so if you go first, you get to go first. If you go third, you get a plant card and a and a, a special card, like with power. So as you're like, yeah, do I, I kind of want to go and go to this space as soon as I can, but maybe that guy won't go there. So then I'm gonna go second or third instead because I want some extra stuff to have a bit of an advantage, like a leg up going into it. So I yeah. really enjoy that part of it too. Like you're even thinking about like what 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 turn order do I want to go in? Like what do I need right now? And then you can get it. So I thought that was pretty. I think that's pretty cool too. Also, your victory points aren't static. They uh, no, they, you can they, lose sh- them, they shift. You? Yeah, Dip- yeah, you can spend victory points to do things. So yep. it's really neat. Like you, mu- like, even though the game starts to cl- to wind down, I think once once someone passes, what is it, eighteen or fifteen or twenty, something like that. I yeah, I can't remember what exactly the point is, but um, there's a point where if someone crosses a point threshold, the game's going to end within that same season. Yes. But you can point. you can actually adjust your score forward or backward to help you ramp up to a much higher score that actually blows mm-hmm. past the um goal cuz it's not a hard it's yeah. not a hard target it's it's not it's a hard uh, stop no like so somebody cra- uh, crosses that 20 point threshold i think it's 20 might might be a little bit more uh and then oh like okay we got like one more round or whatever and then you can go through and somebody can score like 10 points on that next round because mm-hmm. they could like yeah. place their worker for a wine or get points off that and then use their grande worker to go down that space again and then process another one they could have two five point orders that you meet score five and one score 10 points yeah. and win the game so which is what happens still kind of neat and what happens is people will and this is us just talking i've played it a lot people will mm-hmm. like slowly ramp up and then all of a sudden it's like escalates super quickly towards the end game state which is which is again rewarding it rewards you with successive plays because you start to experience that outcome and mm-hmm. um i again i don't i wouldn't put it as a i wouldn't put it as a, a game to start with but i would say it is absolutely something that belongs in your collection long term so yeah um i i, I put it in there because like it was one of the first ones i ever bought <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah Fair enough. I okay. It, it's definitely it's definitely middling, so it's like middleweight game. So I, it's like it's just a little bit too heavy in my opinion to, to put at the start. But it's tough because it's like Fair. I I really like it too. So yeah, cool. All right, man. And what's your number one? 
my last one. So this is the, like I said, this is the one that I struggled with because I was like, I was looking at my assortment of games. So just quick recap. I talked about Jaipur, Azul, Ticket to Ride, Seven Wonders, Tichu, Pandemic, Arcadia Quest, El Grande, and Everdell. Um, my last one is Dead of Winter. And the really? reason why is, Yeah. So huh. the reason why I picked this game, huh. it's funny because like I don't love this game as much anymore. I, there's a lot of games that I love more than this. But it is one of the first ones that I played that has these elements that I'm going to talk about in a second here. But uh, it's not that it's the best. So this is where this is t- tough because we're like, typically we say like, oh, number 10 to number one. I think in terms of complexity, it's definitely on the bottom of the spectrum of these games. But it does introduce some really important elements in modern hobby and gaming that I think people should experience to learn if they like or dislike, like you've described. Um, and those elements okay. are dice rolling as a mechanic, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. narrative in a story, voting, <laughs> and the trader element. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um because yep. deduction is a super, super fun thing in board games, but um, I could have picked like games like Coup or Resistance or Avalon or Deception, Murder in Hong Kong or Mysterium or Spyfall or like a bunch of stuff. But I think those don't this have like one... a story element to them, though. And they don't, yeah. And so I think this one's a good pick um, because a it's it's relatively popular still and. I mm-hmm. find that when people play this, they like get addicted addicted to the experience of it. And maybe that won't be as true in the coming years because zombies aren't as popular now. But mm-hmm. um, for a long time, this game represented like, I, 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 I swear, anytime I would introduce this to people, they'd be like, oh yeah, I love this. Especially people who play video games and like zombies and um, mm. are just getting into board gaming as a hobby. So Dead of Winter is a game where you sur- you're a survivor in a community um, and how you play the game is you have to evaluate your personal needs against the group needs uh, because yes, you're playing cooperatively, but it's actually semi-cooperative. Everyone has a hidden role that they're trying to achieve. And on top of that, you can also have traders. So people who will be working actively against the group's needs in order to win the game. And mm-hmm. because of the game's design, most of the time you just, you don't trust anybody. It's just the nature of the game. Well, yeah, because some of the goals that you have to to do in order to win the game, like your personal hidden goals, makes it look like you're a she. traitor. <laughs> yeah, well, it, makes you, it just flat out makes you look like you're a traitor because you're like, let's just say you have to have so much food like at the end of the game. It's or like, fuel. That, or fuel or whatever. And then that person's like, we need to put down food or fuel to like win this, um, to like keep like, to not, you know, lose morale and stuff like that. I know you have food. Like I know you picked it up or like, I think you have it in your hand and you didn't play it. Like you trader. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, no, I'm not a trader. I'm just trying to do my goals. I can win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I've like played this game and I just know of like, I've, I've watched, uh, videos of people playing it and I'm like, yeah, like yeah. that's that's kind of it's does that on purpose. Yeah, and I've played it enough. I think that you've heard enough about it from people. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly that too. Too so, but I've never like, actually played it myself. No, um, so it, 
I also like the narrative of it because at the game actually as you're playing, there's these things called crossroad cards. So what'll happen? I've done. I've actually done a review of this game too on Timotheries. Um, oh yeah, so there's right. these cross yeah. crossroad cards that. Um, although now that I'm thinking about it, it's been a while since I posted a video. So maybe I've I made the video and I haven't published it. So just look into that. And if I haven't, I'm going to be starting to release Timotheries content soon. So maybe I'll release that video so that I'm not lying. Anyway. There you um, go. <laughs> Crossroad cards are fantastic because they can actually be tied to a specific character. So in the game, you'll start out with one character, but as you play, you can find other survivors and add to your roster as your player so that you have a leader and then select other characters. And every player could be responsible for one to X number of players. Um, And as more players and NPCs, non-player characters are added to the community. You have to have more food and more fuel and et cetera, et cetera. But the crossword cards will actually activate if you have certain players, characters in your community. And so then people will have to make decisions, which can be good for the community or bad for the community or good for the player or bad for the player. And you have to like weigh those consequences. And sometimes shit just goes sideways. It's like, Oh, um, (laughs) <laughs> ralph the the santa dies and you're like what the hell i have ralph the santa and i'm just stuck I and mean, i don't know if that, i don't think that's actually the character's name but just for the sake of the story uh he dies and so then you have to make a decision as a community what are you gonna do and then someone loses that character and then you're kind of miffed because you're the guy that lost him you're like well can we at least do something to like help me out because i have less guys and then you have to discuss it as a group so it's really interesting how the the voting and the traitor elements and the narrative unfold in my personal experience, it heavily goes towards everyone assuming your own's a traitor. But I think you need to experience that in gaming <laughs> <laughs> because there's lots of really good games that have that. Um, and this is a this is a great foray into that, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, Interesting. I I'm surprised by this. I am general genuinely surprised. Yeah, again, not the best <sighs> game on. Yeah, the list. it's not when I put on mine. Yeah, but it's not when I put games, on mine personally but just because of the theme i think but yeah i i get what you're saying i've never i've never heard anybody like like actively say that they ridiculously hate it or anything like that i know people sometimes have had like not great experiences with it but for the most part people like it from what i can tell Mm -hmm. anyway yeah yeah and like i could have picked a 1v all game or a very strong social deduction game i actually started to consider something like letters from Whitechapel because I'm like, yeah, something like that would be really I good. I thought about that one too. But um, again, I feel like that's something that's like a next level. Like that would be, in my list, I think it'd be like maybe 11 or 12 yeah. or 13. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, 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 I could, I could say, I, I would, I would, I would agree. I would have it outside the top 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number one, uh, unlike Tim, this was super easy. Uh, I started the list with this game because it's an absolute no brainer for me. Uh, it is a very simple game. The rule book is f- exactly four pages in length. Uh, and it is my second most played game of all time. And uh, that's Sagrada. Mm-hmm. So this is the alternative to Azul. Uh, I don't. I thought Azul, Azul was a little bit too abstract. This one I can at least get into the idea of painting a stained glass window. 
And it's a dice drafting game where you draw a number of dice depending on the number of players. You roll them, and then everybody takes a turn drafting dice to put on their player board. And you need to fill in certain, like there'll be a five on your player board. A five has to go there. Or there'll be a red. A red has to go there. Mm -hmm. And the same number can't go beside each other, like orthogonally. So like crossways, up and down. And the same number can't go but but. Yes, orthogonally. And the same uh, number can't go in beside each other. So, but uh, diagonally they can. Mm-hmm. And you have to go, like, you have the place adjacent and stuff like that. Um, this game is so simple to learn, but there's so many deep strategic decisions that you can make. You're looking at the dice, you're like, what are the odds that I, like, this is a, f- a red five. I could fill my five or I could fill my red. What are the odds that? another red's going to pop up that I can put my red in there. And will I not be able to place it? What's the odds that another five will come up there? Um, hmm. Decisions, decisions. Yeah. Uh, the, also the nice thing about this game is um, uh, there is a distinct advantage to going first. You get first choice, but even if you go last, you get to go twice because the turn order starts at the first player, goes all the way to the uh, last player. They pick twice and then it comes back around. So yep. it, it, it's really good at evening things out and balancing things that way. And there are uh, how you end up scoring points is everybody has a secret card with uh, most commonly their color on it and the number of pips on each die of that color, you'll get points at the end of the game. But there's also little bonus cards where if you have uh, rows with uh, colors that don't repeat, you'll get five points per every row. So you're looking at that, trying to do that thing, whilst trying to get pips on your die, whilst trying to fill your uh, window. And sometimes Mm -hmm. even filling your window doesn't even really make that much, or not filling your window doesn't make that much of a difference in the end, because you only lose one point per space you don't fill. Um, Well, you could, maybe you don't fill that, so you could could, uh, uh, keep, you get these little beads that you can use to to uh, um, use player powers. Each bead is worth one point. If you have a high difficulty card, you get more of those. So you could lose, you could spend two beads for one point, or you could just forego that, lose that one point, and like have more beads to get more points at the end of the game. So there's even that decision. And the variable mm-hmm. powers change each game as well, so you can swap dice. On basically, they just let let you break the rules of the game. You can swap dice. You can set you can uh, set the dice to whatever number you want. You can uh, increase it or decrease it by one, like stuff like that. And uh, I play this with my nine and five year old all the time, and they absolutely love it. And they had no issues learning it. Uh, also, uh, with my five year old son, it's taught him numbers and colors. Um, I've played it with, I took it to work and we, uh, one Christmas, uh, we, we always do this, uh, get together for an hour or two around lunch Mm -hmm. and I brought it there and I played a six player game of it and everybody there loved it. And, uh, this is my go-to game for newbies, my go-to, uh, um, um, my go-to entry level, uh, my go-to when I want to play just something quick, but strategic, um, I've actually, it, this has a solo mode. I've never played it solo, but yet it's still my most, the second, my most played game of all time. Um, well, there you go. it's fun. It's quick. It's easy. It's got expansions, uh, which I also have, but I've never actually really played with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I have n- not met one person who actively hated the game. 
like I most people it. are like, no, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I do not. Most, most, uh, like I, I said, uh, I, I every every time I like introduce it to somebody new, it's like this is really good. Like it's simple, but also like you got to think about it. And I'm like, I know that's why it's so good. It's also and aesthetically so, pleasing. It's rewarding. Yeah, visually. it's 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 also pretty as well. Uh, if yeah. you like that kind of sort of that sort of thing, so and it's it so funny. I sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was uh, I was going to say again. Like I prefer heavy games, and this one's yeah. so light. But it's just um, it just like hits the hits the spot. Like I said, play with my kids like all the time. They love playing this game. Mm-hmm. Let's play the dice, the color dice, the colorful dice game, Daddy. And I'm like, all right, and we'll play it in like a half an hour, and then there you go. And they just yeah, we yeah. Play, I play with them all the time, and they're good at it too. <laughs> I was just gonna say it mitigates it mitigates dice for you. It's dice placement. Yes, night dice rolling. It is. It's dice, so. and I'm not a big dice rolling guy either. And it's just like because it's, it's just dice funny drafting. That a dice game is a game you love. <laughs> yeah, I love it to pieces. Like, and it's funny. Like, I was surprised about how much I like this. Like, um, uh, there was a thread on on Facebook one of the board game groups I'm in. It was like most pleasant surprise. I'm like Sagrada with like without a doubt. I thought it was going to be too light and fluffy for me. And I'm like, this is actually like pretty deep. And like, like I said, so you like roll the dice and that's the dice. Like, and then you're like looking, I can strategize around what's there and then plan a little bit plan for future turns. And then like the powers let you mitigate the rolls too. And it's just like, yeah, it's really good. And like anybody can play this game. And like I could teach this to my mom and she would be fine with it. It's so easy. I would, I would, I would argue that, um, like you said, Azul and Sagrada are similar. So depending upon the crowd, you might get, you might. I think you would fit if you if you suggested both those games to someone, they'd they'd mm-hmm. like one or the other or maybe both. But you could you could scratch that itch, as they say in the hobby, with either scratch one. that itch with one either one. And so yeah, you could uh, yeah. Um, I like both. I don't know which one I like more. I like both. I don't, I don't, I don't especially like one over the other. I definitely yeah. would not. Okay. Let me put it this way. I would, I like both of those, but I don't know if I like the expansions or the other editions of Azul as much as I like Sagrada. So if I had to pick, I guess I would, I would take those two over Azul and all the many versions of it. So there you go. Yeah, that's fair. I haven't played with the expansions when the expansions introduces like a dice pool that you can mm-hmm. hold dice in reserve. So you can mitigate the dice even more. And then there's one with clear dice where uh, oh, it allows colors. you. What's that? They're, they're colorless. colorless yeah. So yeah. like it's uh, and then. So there are special bonuses with colored dice, but uh, like bonus points for them. But also you can assign them colors on the fly which is kind of neat i haven't played with the, those expansions yet and then there's another expansion that just came out recently as well that lets i can't remember what it uh i can't remember exactly what it does but it opens up even more scoring avenues That's and cool. it's like yeah all the expansions are fairly highly rated too but like i haven't even like you could get with this one you could go base game and like never buy an expansion for it and i think you would uh you get you'd a enjoy whole bunch it. of value out of, out of yeah you get a whole bunch of value on it like it doesn't need the extra stuff i just got it because like i do really want to try uh eventually try those expansions because they look really neat and they're again the 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 base game for this i think was like f- like 45 bucks and the expansions are like anywhere between uh i think the latest 25. one's 18 dollars like there's like 20 25 bucks there yeah. so it's a cheap game and it's 
pretty and it's like you get a lot of like for what i pay for this thing like it has been like more than worth it like i yeah i i also remember when it came out there was a period of time where it was hard to find it which in my mm, opinion is yes. is the mark of a good game so as games come out um if it's wildly or widely i guess maybe not wildly widely unavailable for a while it's it's yeah. a mark of a good game because there's games that are hard to find when they're initially brought out that's not what i mean i mean like for the next year if it's hard to find that i think is an indication yeah. that's a good game yeah right it's basically we made like uh we did a five thousand unit print run and uh now we don't have any more <laughs> so you just have to wait till we print more Till we print more. And it's like, that usually means that it's either one of two things. It means that it's overhyped or that it's actually is that good. And with Sagrada, I think it actually is that good personally. I think Azul yeah. did the same thing, actually. Yeah. It was hard to find there for initially for a bit, but yeah. Like I said, I, I would also play Azul. I enjoy it. I just like this one quite a bit better. And I like the theme of this. It's a, like less abstracted. It fits... Like for me anyway, and it's just mm-hmm. way prettier to look at. So like I don't know. Those things that yeah. just appeal to me personally. But like you said, you could go with either one, and I think they probably would scratch the same itch for you. And it's 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 funny too, just kind of recapping everything we've we've talked about in the in the past almost two hours, which I did not expect us to take that long to talk about ten <laughs> Anytime games. you do top ten lists, man. That's been my experience. Like yeah. same thing with me, Dave did it. It was like there's no way we'll go past like an hour and a half, like talking about movies of the 2010s. And we'd like talked for like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay though. You know, I was thinking about this. Sorry. Just as an aside. Oh, seeing as how we have a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, podcast I haven't do done a lot of ranked stuff on Timothy theories. So it's kind of interesting to see how in the past was like six weeks, you've had how many ranked things on your podcast. So it's like oh, the start of something. Been, it's been weird. Well, top tens do get, they tend to get like, they're trendy, you know, they tend to get, but I just kind of like doing them sometimes, you know, it's just kind of fun to see like, and especially like when we did Star Wars, it's fun to see like where we're, for example, how much more, yeah, like how much more you guys like Revenge of the Sith than I do. You know what I mean? That's kind of fun. And it just gives you a different perspective on, um, uh like what somebody would like what somebody values in a certain thing whether it be a movie a tv show or or in this case a board game yeah what i thought was interesting was that mike and i generally agreed on stuff and then there were certain things (laughs) that that we that we liked more than each other but it was different things that we liked more than each other if that Mm -hmm. makes sense so like our number number eight number five and number one were different but like otherwise, we generally were similar. And right. I was just like throwing wrench in everywhere. Yeah, throwing wrenches no, in like everywhere. You agreed in a lot of spots too. But I did. Yeah. But with this, I just I like this because um, when it comes to we talk about board games a lot, or we talk about hobby stuff, and I ha- I haven't really put like I've been thinking a lot about this digitally curate your heart stuff. We haven't put a, mm-hmm. I haven't put a lot of thought into giving those succinct lists. And I think this is a nice foray into that. Cause like I could, we could have like hundreds and hundreds of reviews of things or deep dives onto into particular things. But when you can sum it up, it's nice. So like, yeah, trends, but I think there's a reason it trends. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are just interested in like, what's like, 
what's like what what's their top 10 and the, like my top 10 favorite games is a wildly different list but like oh yeah we know, should do that too at some uh, point. you know yeah we should uh but like uh like what what kind of you know what do they value is, is like an entry into the hobby you know like what kind of things you know it's interesting to get a perspective and even when when uh dave and i talked about uh um like tv shows and movies it was funny because we were so different and it was uh Mm -hmm. it was completely different reasons but just goes to show you that uh uh you know like how wildly different people's tastes can can be and like why they are and like so i think that's why people kind of gravitate it's like oh they could uh oh yeah but or even more than that like my number three is like oh i didn't even really think about that but like that makes sense so it's mm-hmm. that's I I think that's kind of why they're popular. But you know I, I I'm I'll, I like to talk about whatever. So I'm I'm down with top ten list. I don't have any kind of I'm not going to do. It's that also too it's much. also I relatively easy to do a top ten list because it's your taste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, I, I came up with this list like what five minutes before the podcast because <laughs> yeah. I, I just had too busy of a day and I didn't get a chance to actually put any thought into it but i came up with 10 that doesn't minutes, mean he like, that doesn't mean he doesn't know anything guys it just means that he <laughs> yeah it just means that like i just didn't have time but at the same like i could i it came up with 10 10 games like fairly easily so well because you have enough exposure to the to the hobby yeah too. to the hobby exactly yeah you can probably so do the same thing with like movies video games and and, and tv as well but yeah oh, yeah anyway yeah one hundred. Uh, yeah, I, I I like doing lists like this. is like a it's a lot of fun, and one of these days we'll get M- Michael have enough time and we'll and we'll do the MCU list because I think that could be a that's going to be a blast. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You just got to get yeah. some time. Yeah, I already kind of know what some of yours are though because a you've talked about you the mods yeah. and b you you talked about it on your twenty tens list. I did, but at the same, uh, yeah, I, I spoiled my mm-hmm. my top picks uh, on that list. But I think you might be surprised where I rank some of the middle and um, and some of the ones at the bottom might surprise you too. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so that, that I think that's usually where the surprises are with me. Like, I talk about I'm very passionate about the stuff I love. Obviously, that's why. I, do this podcast but so if you know me or if you've listened to me you probably like almost always like know what my top maybe two or three of whatever anything are be, right yeah pretty much because i'll go on about it ad nauseum <laughs> no never yeah no never yeah no not this guy cool man yeah, yeah so like i uh will we'll keep doing these and um yeah we should do like our top 10 favorite just like top 10 favorite all the time i don't like doing like um there are youtube channels out there like a lot of them that do a top 100 list and i'm like i just man i haven't played i don't don't think think i played i don't think i played enough but i don't think it's super valuable either i was gonna say it's more so that i don't think it's valuable that's like it's a lot of work to come up with a top 100 and then on top of that doesn't doesn't matter like yeah i just watch what core what it matters is your top 10 favorites just watch what just watch like a bunch of different top tens, get a sense yeah. of what people like, and go from there. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, I'm not even no gonna remember take our word for it. I, like I'm not gonna remember my top ninety eight or not or seventy five. <laughs> yeah. Cause I probably don't play that game anymore. I only got thirty in my collection. Like if any anything above thirty and it's like 
Yeah, I probably haven't played it in like six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's I can I can tell you I could I could say it this way. Of like the two hundred and fifty ish games I have, I can tell you which games I love, what games I like, and what games are okay. And that's yeah. that'd be easier for me to do. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Do, do we want to sum this up a bit, just to remind people what? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. We just like we could talk all, all all night about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, by no means, like, take our words for all this stuff. Like, with any uh, review channel or that I've watched on YouTube, at least the good ones will say, you know, here's our review on it. It's but this is all subjective. Like, go pl- go play it. And see what you think of it first before you buy. That, that's the biggest thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is the ones that we kind of recommend. But at the same time, like, yeah, like if you know a person who has some or post-COVID, like go to a board game cafe and like they're going to have try, a lot of these titles. And like, try yeah, them out. Play some. Yeah, try them out. You might. You might there's nothing wrong with trying them. Disag- yeah, you might completely disagree with us. And say like, oh, those guys are at the lunch. I'm glad I didn't buy it. But that's the whole point. Like, <laughs> don't don't just run up and buy these. Is, is, and and, I and guess. yeah, like I think we picked these. Like these are fairly well known, well loved, or safe air quotes games. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's likely gonna it's gonna appeal to enough people that you'll find something that you love or something that inspires you to go mm-hmm. out and try n- other games of that nature. Yep. Or, yep. or, or ha- never do it again. <laughs> or never do it again. Yeah. Hopefully not. Cause board gaming is an amazing hobby and, uh, there's so much out there and you can take it from me. You can start general and then you can refine your taste like right to, it's almost like, um, I don't even like wine, but like, it's almost like, you know, cultivating your wine taste. You could start out broad and then like go right to like, I like rosé or I like whatever, right? You're getting yeah. right. Or I like this particular brand. And yeah, like and board I, games are kind of like that. They're kind of like a, a, a taste you can refine. And that's, I think that's also really cool too. And we both did that with different games. So success. Mm-hmm. And we exactly. only crossed over to run so, three. Yeah. So we did. Yeah. Which was, Less than usual. <laughs> so we so, technically yeah. had, we offered 17 unique games. So there you go. That's right. That's exactly. So that's lots. So yeah. Uh, do you have anything to, uh, to add? Um, I think we uh, play board games. Um, enjoy, enjoy playing board games, play them with people, play them by yourself, play them um, with friends, put them with enemies, play them in the <laughs> evening, play them in the morning, in the morning, but just, just <laughs> after, yeah, there's all lots of different situations DJs. you can play them in. So, um, <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's so, yeah, it's a great hobby. Uh, and yeah, and it's some like something I do with my kids like a lot and they really like it. And, um, it's, uh, it's exercises your brain too. I, that's what I find. Yep. And, uh, like I said, help my help my son learn, you know, numbers and counting and colors, like with that dice game. And yeah. So I would I would hide yeah. Highly recommend it, if nothing else than that. But you know social value is huge. Own, so. The yep, social value exactly. of gaming so, is huge. It is. So with all that said, thanks for joining us this week. Please like, comment, subscribe if you're able. Rate the podcast wherever you listen. 
or if there's something you really want to talk about, email me at conferculture at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-F-E-R-C-U-L-T-U-R-E at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Tim. And this has been Confer Culture. Thank you.